episode 178, Hot Shots, Scott. Yeah, I was excited. Was, this is what, your 62nd Super Bowl? Fresh off your 62nd? Is that right? How old you are? No, this is not? Well, there's only been 56. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that joke doesn't work, does no, it? No, it doesn't work. <laughs> How'd you enjoy your big Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, it, was, it was nice seeing the nah. people leaving your house for your big party. No, no parties. That was great. No. I didn't know you had friends. No, I wasn't excited for the game. Yeah. I was more excited for the Phoenix Open. Yeah, well, there was some kind of some cool stuff going on with I that. I love the Phoenix Open, especially when somebody has a hole-in-one on 16. But that was amazing. Story. Yeah. No, I That was I on Saturday, it. so you saw that. Oh, people yeah. throwing. How about Joel Damon taking off his shirt? Did you see any of that? Sure did. Friend, okay. I have it on yeah. my phone right now. A friend yeah. sent it to me. Former uh, Mitch Unfiltered guest, Joel Damon, former University of Washington golfer, oh. taking off his shirt. Yeah, like lifted it up real quick. No, no. He was, took his off and threw it. Oh, I saw someone like lift theirs up. That was it. his playing partner. <laughs> I can't keep it straight. <laughs> My shirtless yes. golfer is sorry. I Somehow can't. I think that scene at Augusta National wouldn't quite go over very well. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, but we'll get Joel Damon back on the show. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I was telling you before we started. There's something about, I don't know. I, I was not excited for the game. I don't know why. Maybe hmm. I don't like the Rams. Maybe I've got no rooting interest. I went, I made a bet on the game. So I had a little bit of that going on. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I thought the game, the game, the first half was okay. I, 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 let's let's save this for this okay. is this is segment number one. Yeah, this is too good a stuff. Yeah, this is tees, we, we can't mean, do this on the team. No, we sure can't. Episode one hundred and seventy-eight. I remind all of our listeners that it's very important for you to not only subscribe and maybe rate us or review us, but if nothing else, just go go through the episodes and hit play. Yes. If you like Mitch Unfiltered and you want Mitch Unfiltered to last the stand the test of time, you want us to be around for a while, it really helps if everybody hits play. Even if you don't listen to all the episodes, if you hit play and we get yeah. credit for you as listener, that would really, really help. Yeah, okay? it was, it's great seeing, like I was at a basketball game on yeah. a Sunday and I see a friend's mom. Hey, what do you, oh, I have to get going. I got to go re record the podcast. She's like, oh, you do a podcast? Yeah. Her, her comment was, is that something we can hear? <laughs> that sounds like really? a question I would ask. Yeah, exactly. Is that something we can hear? Oh, yes, God. it is. As yeah. a matter of fact, I said you don't have to listen. Just subscribe and hit the hit the play, the play yeah. button. That's Just hit, hit hit the play button if you want to become a Mitch Unfiltered patron. If this isn't enough, these Monday shows aren't enough. We do some little shows throughout the week. Yep. You do some. You do some music shows, and I do some shows with some of the the guests like Slickhawk and music. But anyway. Uh, episode 178. I want to start with an email that I got. If you want to write me. Oh, by the way, it's $5 to become a Mitch Unfiltered patron, $5 a month. Yep. If you don't have it or you're uncomfortable, or you're in a bad spot, but you want to be a patron, just write me at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com and we'll get you set up. The, the idea is for everybody to be a patron that wants to be a patron. Can right? I add something to that really quick? Sure, you can. So if anyone wants to hear the music episodes, but you can't be a patron, I'm happy to Dropbox you the file if you'd like so if anyone wants to hear oh, well, hold on they don't need that because i just offered them yeah but maybe the they, they don't want to hear all this you know all the they, they don't have to listen to anything <laughs> okay fine sorry they can just go straight to your music show <laughs> well they are kind of hard to find okay. now that a bunch of them are right, buried so tell them how to do that how, yeah, it, how do they reach out to you uh yeah just hit me on twitter i my, okay. my, my dms are open at okay. scott soden okay so for those of you that just want to hear the music shows that's right but none of the other patient shows <laughs> hit him up on uh on twitter um, and yes, so uh, if you want to write me and tell me something that you don't like about the show or you have requests for the show or, you know. I think they can find that address somehow. Hi, Mitch. I, I started listening to today's Monday's podcast and I had to stop and write this email to take an issue with one of your stats. You identified Joe Burrow as standing on the precipice 
of becoming the first triple crown winner in football. That would be that Burrow would become the first and only player to win the NCAA national title, mm-hmm. a Heisman Trophy, and a Super Bowl. But what about Marcus Allen, Mitch? Allen was a member of the 1978 USC Trojans who won a national title. He was the 1981 Heisman Trophy winner. He was. He was a member of the LA Raiders who won Super Bowl, whatever it was. On January 22nd, 1984. Yes, I remember. It was my birthday. Really? Yeah, I remember. Didn't he do the reverse against <laughs> oh, the Washington Redskins oh, at the time, yeah, right? At the time, yes, they were. Yeah, he did that. That reverse he run. He just dominated. Yeah. He ran all over them. Yeah. What's more, and among other accomplishments, Marcus Allen was the 1982 NFL Rookie of the Year on offense and the MVP of the Super Bowl. He is also, of course, in Shrine and Canton, class of 2003. Now, you might take issue, Mitch, with the fact that the USC Trojans and Alabama Crimson Tide actually split the national title ah, in 1978. Gotcha. With USC winning the coaches poll and Alabama winning the AP poll. But to my eyes, Mitch, that's splitting hairs. (laughs) Love the show. Do you really? Your loyal patron, Frank. Now, I think you said he's who'd be the only quarterback. I don't think you said the only. Did you say the only player? Yeah, we probably said the only. I don't know. Okay, you just you you just actually <laughs> landed on the answer. Okay, I think I said the only player, and I, what I should have said is the only quarterback. Okay, I messed the question up. And in, back in the days of Stump the Band, we would have never tolerated a caller messing a. <laughs> you you stumbled through a question. You even you even just said uh in the middle of your question. Yeah, you were banned. Oh, was that right? Oh, like, oh yeah. Okay. yeah. We had no. We had absolutely no patience for gotcha. you. So imagine me actually asking the wrong question. I think I said player, and I should have said quarterback. But in the case that I did, yeah, say player. I just got to say that splitting the national title, I don't think that counts. Yeah, you got to win two out of three if you're going to split it like the Huskies did in 91. You got to be meatloaf. That's that's right. Exactly. Rest in peace. <laughs> Where did you watch the Super Bowl? Uh, your buddy Jimmy's house. Little Wink Shapiro's oh. house. Yes. Anybody still call him Wink? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, think he so. likes that too much. Yeah, I don't think he liked it at the time. No. Yeah. But most nicknames people don't like. I would say. Was it just you and him? Was it your family and his family? He's got kids or a kid. He's got a daughter. daughter, Yeah. Yeah. Who Piper's friends with. She's a little older, but it was supposed to be three families plus him. And two of the families canceled around one o'clock today. And I was like, Uh, are we going to go? I mean, no one's there. Do you still want? But we ended up going over. I I went over, uh, I don't know, kind of early in the game. My wife came over at halftime and. Yeah, so I just did said, Piper go over. Yeah, she came over at halftime. Piper, right, she was right. spiraling about some other stuff. And so. it was Jimmy and his daughter. And, yeah, and, and Jimmy's and lady friend. Oh, he's got a lady friend. He's got a lady friend. Yes. Is she taller than him? <laughs> Who isn't? <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't mean that. I did. He, he'd be cool with it. Guests on this episode 178, uh, two normal patron exclusive guests. Randy Mueller has traded his next week's patron show for this freebie episode. I wanted everybody to hear. This is Randy Mueller, who said to us at the very end of his patron show last week, Rams 24, Bengals 20. Wow. And if they had just, if the Bothell idiot didn't, Bothell High School punter didn't fumble the snap, it would have ended 24 to 20. And Randy Mueller would have, imagine how much money changed hands or didn't change hands yeah. as a result of a Bothell High School punter. I was looking at that ball and I was thinking, it looks brand new. Slipped right out of his hands. Slipped Slip. right Slip. out of his hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that was brutal. By the way, the extra point was, I had said on Twitter, was kind of looming large for a while there, you know, because it was... It was That's what, what I'm saying. Yeah. 
No, but I'm saying like for a lot of the game, it was like this extra point's going to come back and haunt them, isn't it? Oh, you mean for the actual result of the for game? For the actual result yeah, yeah, of the yeah, game, yeah. yeah. It felt yeah. kind of big for a while. But, huge, yeah. huge. So Randy Mueller will be with us. Matt Slickhawk Miklas will be with us, my former KJR producer and cohort. And then the author of a New York Times bestseller uh, about the New England Patriots dynasty and about Tom Brady and Tom Brady retirement, Seth Wickersham will also Great. be a guest on this episode 178. Tom Brady had a pretty funny tweet, I have to say, on did Super he? Bowl Sunday. I don't what know if did you he saw say? It. So you know what? You have an iPhone now. So, you know, you set an alarm and then the alarm pops up on your phone. You can see it and you can see, you know, like you write a dentist appointment or whatever. Right. So Tom apparently got <laughs> he got an alert that said Super Bowl. And then right above it, he just wrote, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. He entered... He entered a Super Bowl appointment in his... No. Well, he just put it on his calendar. Like, he put it on his calendar? Yeah, I think he was on his calendar. Yeah, I probably Because he was supposed he was... to be playing in it? Yeah, maybe not. And he was going to need a reminder That's exactly to actually right. go to the game? Because he wouldn't have showed up without it. I just thought it was kind of funny. He just always said, shit. <laughs> this close. Why do we love Tom Brady all of a sudden now? It's weird, right? He's awesome. Do we love him? I, he, I like I him more than I used to. I love him. I like him more than I used to, though. He's got like a sense of, a sense of humor, personality. You're going to miss him. I don't know if I'm going to miss him. <laughs> did you watch the 30 for 30 tuck rule? I did not. Yeah, me neither. I, I couldn't for some reason. No, no. Eh, maybe, maybe I don't. But know. I was interested <laughs> in Wickersham. Wickersham made a couple of, told a couple of great stories okay. that I'd never heard before. He, uh, he speculated on what's going on in his world right now, mm. why he's walking away when he is. We thought maybe oh. he'd play another year or two. It's some really good stuff. He was really close to Brady when Brady was in New England. Great. Really, really close to Brady. And he's got the, uh, he's got the book out. All righty, Hot Shot, the post-Super Bowl episode 178 begins in a moment. The brand new Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage celebrating a new member. Shout out to Barrett Flowers, who was born this week and is already a shot or two better than his dad on the golf course. Jordan's team is ready for your call to save you hundreds off of your monthly mortgage payments, 425 890 2957 evergreen golf call tax advisors certified financial planners experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof evergreengk.com more than just a financial advisor evergreen is everything wealth zeke's pizza went all out for the super bowl they sent out cheat codes for big savings on pizza, beer, and salads delivered to your door and pickups. Download the Zeke's Pizza app and have Zeke's right at your front door in no time, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, March 12th, the biggest and best annual event that Lindsay and his Bellevue crew host, the 11th annual Bourbon Bash. Yes, sir. An amazing array of bourbons on display with the best food that the Northwest offers, danielsbroiler.com. A few tickets remain. Go to the website. Fireside Home Solutions, title sponsor of our Beat the Boys contest. 25 winners this year, whether it's a new toasty fireplace or a brand new set of garage doors. Begin your search as we do in the Levy family at firesidehomesolutions.com. Episode 178, believe it or not, begins right now unfiltered i would err on the side of having a minority coach because my locker room is 70 percent black i want somebody who resonates in there i want somebody who culturally fits in i want somebody who gives me the best chance of bringing that group of 50 60 70 people together unfiltered am i willing to pay him 45 or 50 million dollars a year which is gonna which he's gonna want in the next couple of years 
And am I sure that his game from the pocket as he uses his legs less and less, the intermediate passing game, the over-the-middle pass, am I certain that he is going to be the productive quarterback that he was the first 10 years? Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 178, Hotshot Scott. Episode 178 of Mitch Unfiltered is now officially underway. I met a patron on Friday. You I'll did. have you know. One? I just met one, yeah. But hey, look, I'm, I, was, I was talking to him about radio because <laughs> his name's Rodney. Yeah. And there's a show called Rodney on the Rock. It's been in L.A. forever with Rodney oh. Bigenheimer. Anyway, so I was yeah. just talking about radio. He's like, are you from L.A.? I was like, no, I was in radio. He's like, oh, where'd you work? And I said KJR. And he goes, you know, I used to listen to that station a lot. He goes, God, I love that Mitch Levy. And I go, well, funny enough, I actually do a podcast with the guy. He goes, oh, I, I know about his podcast, and I'm a patron too. I'm like, really? You okay, didn't this is awkward, right? Now, I'm getting. I'm, I'm, I, <laughs> yeah, it's a little I'm getting, awkward. Oh, should I say I'm getting the heebie-jeebies? I guess I should <laughs> no, you use can't that. Say that anymore. My, my, it's just a little awkward, right? It's kind of weird. I, yeah. I was going to tell him about the podcast, but he already knew about it, and he's a patron. And he, said, he goes, he has no idea who he's talking to. None, and then it hit him. Oh, I, I recognize your voice. Oh my gosh, I totally recognize your voice. <laughs> But Rodney. 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 Yes. Rodney at the old Dodge. Rodney's about as sharp as a bowling ball. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah, Rodney's my guy at Dodge. He's my point of contact oh. Oh. with all the headlight horse crap I've been going through. Yeah. There. So anyway, yeah. I was like, I was I was trying to build the audience one at a time. I was going to tell him about the podcast. So shout out. Knew. So shout out to Rodney. Shout at Dodge. out to Rodney. Which yes. Dodge dealership? Uh, in Bellevue. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Very good. Yeah, it was cool. Hi, Rodney. Yeah, that's right. How are you? You think he's listening right now at some point? This will be a good test because he does have my cell number and he, you know, and he, he is a patron and he is a patron. Yes. We'll see if he actually listens like he says. Do he you does. think that Rodney is happy or not happy that there's an NFC West team <laughs> that is now raising the Lombardi Trophy, and they're going to have a parade through downtown L.A. where nobody's going to show up and anybody who does is going to give them the cold shoulder. Right. There'll be nobody at that parade. In fact, they'll probably won't even have a parade because it'd be too embarrassing for the Rams to have a... Don't you think? Who in L.A. cares that yeah. the Rams have won the world championship? I think they're, have, they're, very, they they're very bandwagon I mean, yeah. remember the hockey yeah. team? The, uh, the Kings. Like, when they were good, okay. I mean, people were on fire for the Kings. Yeah, and it's but, like you don't think of LA as a hockey town, so I I think people will jump on board. I, I, that's why I you think, think? I think so. There people was like nobody the at the forty. There were more 49er fans at the yeah. NFC Championship yeah. game two weeks ago. Yeah, that's true. Did, are people going to talk about the twenty one twenty two Rams team as one of the all time greats? No, it doesn't feel like it's a very. This is going to sound like a bitter Seahawks fan, and I swear this is not where it's coming from. You just don't think of this team as like a really good badass Super Bowl champion, or well, do you? I, well, I think you're bridging into what I was starting to say in the T-section that I stopped, which okay. is, I, I just, I felt like the two teams in the Super Bowl, I, I don't want to say they weren't the best teams because they earned their way to the Super Bowl, yeah. they belonged to the Super Bowl, but I wasn't really blown away by either of them. In the game or for the whole season? Uh, for the season. Okay. I mean, I, I like the Joe Burrow story. Yeah. I don't like the Rams very much. I thought the game itself... It was pretty okay in the first half, and I would say pretty okay. I'm choosing my words wisely okay. here. I thought the second half was a was a sleeper. Mm. Uh, no offense. You know what? I will say this, that you, you remember when OBJ was cut by Cleveland. Yeah. And he was available. There were a couple of us, there were more than a couple of us, Seahawks fans, who were dying for the Seahawks to sign OBJ right. for the stretch run. As it turns out, they didn't, and it was probably more because of him than the Seahawks. Yeah, probably. He probably just didn't want it. He wanted to go somewhere else. He wanted to go to L.A., whatever. 
even those of us that were big, like in the bag for, hey, sign OBJ, I don't think even us could have imagined that he would have played the role that he played from the day he signed with the Rams. I thought he'd be a good receiver. I thought the Seahawks could have used him. Yeah. I thought the Rams were going to use him well. I Do you realize the kind of impact that he made both in his presence and then in his absence? First of all, he was unbelievable down the stretch for the Rams. He filled in for Robert Brooks. Brooks was hurt. That's right, yeah. He was opposite of Cooper Cup. He was catching. And I know Cooper Cup was getting the headlines, but he was great yeah. down the stretch for the Rams. Then he was great in the playoffs. Then he was really good in the first half of the yeah. game of the Super Bowl. Yeah, Caught the touchdown, yeah. right? And then what happened? And then he gets one of these injuries, oh. these artificial turf injuries where there's no contact. It, it was just like his knee just went out on him, yep. just buckling on him. He right? tries to stop quickly. What happened from that point on to the Rams offense? Yeah, true. With Cooper Cup, yep. with Matt Stafford. Now, they didn't have Tyler Higby, their tight end. And I understand they had... And the Bengals, so defense, I guess, is pretty good and give him a little bit of credit. But what happened to the Rams' offense from the moment he hobbled off the field into the locker room? They were like yeah. zero. They yeah. had no explosiveness. Couldn't run they the couldn't ball. run the yeah. ball. They couldn't throw the ball. I thought they were done. So then the second half starts, and they're doing nothing. The Bengals score a long touchdown on a fluke 75-yard play where the receiver grabs the corner by the face mask and tosses him aside. We we just we can't get that right in 2022. Well, I lost $100 on that play. Oh, you did? On that play. Okay, go on. I went to the Snoqualmie Casino. I've heard of it. And I put $100 on longest play of the longest touchdown play of the Super Bowl being under 42 and a half yards. <laughs> oh man. And I lost my 100 yeah. bucks. Because the NFL allowed a receiver yeah. to literally grab the defender by the face mask, toss him aside, catch the ball, and go for 75 yards. Mitch Levy is out 100 bucks because of that play. The most viewed program of the year. It always is, every year. Yeah. Everyone sees the right call on their couch. You know, three sheets to the wind, few beers in you. You can see the correct call, and they can't get it right on the field. Was it last year? Two years ago, you could review that. Remember, they did a year of being able oh, to review PI? pass center. Yes. After that Saints no call, right? They had yeah. a year. They had like a trial year yeah. where coaches. Now think about how the whole game could have been different yep. if that rule were instituted. Are you are you certain? I'm pretty certain that if they had gone to the replay of that, that they would have said, no, we can't, we can't allow that 75-yard touch. And then we wouldn't have been able to do the 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 podcast because I'd be at the snow call me collecting <laughs> on my hundred bucks. That's right. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, they probably still would have had the ball, right? It just would have been if they get the ball right there where the face mask. No, happened or, no, no. Or it all comes no, back. no, no. It would have been pi offensive pi. Oh man, yeah. I mean, it would have been offensive pi. They could have thrown the flag. That play at the end. What's the linebacker number fifty five? That linebacker uh, Logan Wilson when yeah. he. They called something on him. It just looked like good defense, where he gets his hand in front and bats it down. Oh, I th yeah, it was close. I thought there was. I thought he was on his back a little early. Really? I thought that was a bang bang play. The okay. one that I mean, the one that Chris Collinsworth, the homer, the Bengals homer, was crying about. He was crying pretty hard. That there yeah. was tic tac. We haven't you, we haven't called tic tac y calls yeah. all an hour. That's pretty close. Okay. I didn't like that call right. either. Okay, but yeah, the, the, I could see that. But the Ramsey thing, like everyone on their couch knows the correct call, except for they can't get it right on the field. When is this going to stop? When is there going to be a guy in the booth to go, stop what you're doing, referees? You missed it. Just stop. Get it right. You missed it. Why, why can't we do that? No, re Are you talking about replay? You're just talking no, about just, a guy just saying, hey, you missed it. Somebody in the booth I don't know. seeing what everyone on the maybe, planet maybe, is seeing. Uh, I don't know. Going, hey, head head ref, stop. My you wallet it. agrees 100%. But anyway. I what say I, it every week. I, I've gone on a tangent. Yeah, yeah. I, my original point was this. OBJ. Yeah. 
Now, they came back and they put that drive together. I'm still not sure how they were able to get down the field because they were doing zip Nothing. the yeah. entire second half. And somehow they just they just stitched a couple of penalties together, yeah. a couple of throws to Cup. Cup somehow was getting open against double coverage, got open in the in the end zone, yep. got open in the end zone twice. One of them got called back on, on two. There were two penalties, one against the offsetting penalties against offensive defense. So he got open. He got smashed. Took a helmet to helmet. Helmet yeah. to helmet or whatever it was. And then he came back and he caught the touchdown. Ugh. But but OBJ was Beast. huge. Yeah. Down the stretch of the season, in the postseason, and then in the Super Bowl, and then in his absence, it was really—I thought it was really felt in his. But the, the the overall assessment I have is, it was all right. Yeah, Super Bowl Sunday was all right. I like the playoff between Patrick Cantlay and Scotty Scheffler better, but that's just me. <laughs> I thought the halftime show—I'm not a hip hop guy. Oh, I thought the half. Everybody's rave. Everybody oh. is raving. Like. If you don't like, if you didn't like the halftime show, you need to get out of this country like right now. But I understand a lot of people not liking that music. I mean, it's not for everybody. No one didn't like. Everybody was <laughs> raving, and you didn't you, like it. I like. It was did all you know right. Any of them? Oh, the I know. I knew. Did I know the songs? Or yeah. I knew the artists. No, the songs. Did you recognize any songs? Yeah, I did. I okay. felt like I recognized some of the songs, yeah. and I knew all the artists. Yeah, I saw the Newport High School. Uh, ex ex husband. <laughs> yes, saw him. Yo, he was there. Sure, um, playing a fake console. I, I, I just thought. They were right on the precipice of like the most special halftime show of all time. There were one Barry Manilow artist. Show. If he would have showed up. <laughs> I actually have a Barry Manilow story for you later. Would that not have been the funniest thing of all? I mean, would that not have maybe it just would have been just, confusing? Would it, would, it, would it have ruined it? Well, yeah, it was like a tribute to hip hop. Yeah, if he just showed up hip hop. If he just <laughs> came up <laughs> with all these guys. I mean, the most non hip hop yeah. guy that's ever been born and alive yeah, maybe. is Barry Manilow. She Honestly. was a showgirl. If, yeah, if, yeah. if they all started doing hip hop to that song, a hip hop version, he yeah. came out. Oh, come on, that would have just put it over the top. I I didn't think people were gonna love the halftime show. I was actually nervous it was gonna get really. Ripped. Well, I mean, it's that's a little nichey. It's like, I, you know, not everyone loves rap from you know '90s through the 2000s. I love it. I was at Cube for ten years. You know, yeah. I love all that. Yeah. I was listening to those songs and I was like, it kind of made me sick. Like I got to get up for work. It sounded like work. Some of those songs. Yeah. You know, being yeah. tired at six a.m. But. No, I thought it was awesome. People still think Prince is kind of the standard. No, maybe. you go. What I saw on social media was this was the greatest thing that they've ever uh, done. Yeah, well, I'm glad people liked it. I thought yeah. it was amazing. Yeah, I love Mary J. And I don't really know Kendrick Lamar that well. But commercials, I loved them. Did you? I didn't pay close attention. Oh my gosh, I wanted to talk to you about. Go ahead, so go ahead, many. Go ahead. Give me, give me, give me two or three that you love. Does anyone want to buy an electric car? By the way, was every other commercial about an electric freaking car? Did you notice? Was that? there was there a commercial about an electric dog racing yeah. after a car, electric car? Yes, another one. Yeah, that I saw. The Larry David one I thought was funny. Pretty funny. The food yeah. food wasting guy I need at my house because I don't like that either. When you waste food, I don't know if you saw that he was tackling everyone who was trying to waste. No, food. I didn't see that one. Two pieces of old bread. He goes tackle. <laughs> you, you can make grilled cheese with that. And he's Kind of right because how can you tell? I got to see that one. I like that one. Pretty. I, I love the Doctor Evil one with Mike Myers. Yeah, I saw that. Vern Troyer would have loved that. He would have been right there. That would have been funny. Um, I love the Sopranos commercial. I mean, forget about it. You see that at the very no, beginning? No, I must have missed it. Meadow no. and AJ, the characters from the see, Sopranos. I didn't. I didn't watch the Sopranos. Yeah. Would I? Would oh. I Meadow's driving just like the beginning. Oh of yes, the I did. Meadow is a female. Yes, yes, That's I know. His daughter uh, yes, in the show. Yes, I know. Jamie Lynn Siegler or something. That's right. Yes, I, I think I think I did see it in the background, but I didn't pay much attention. And on the very last yes. episode of the entire series, 
she's trying to parallel park to meet her family. She's like 16, 17. Right. And actually, she's she's in college, but she can't parallel park very well. So it showed her parallel parking on the commercial. Anyway, it was a nice nod to the Sopranos. How about the hand? And I the, loved it. Did you, were you okay with the stuck on you and the Pringles? Oh, I laughed my ass off. I thought that was a really good one. Did you? It's See, just, I didn't think anybody was going to like that one except for me. I thought that was an old man's. Well, old I've, man's humor. I've stuck my hand in there before and oh. like been a little nervous. Oh, like, are you kidding me? For me, <laughs> like a razor blade. for me, the version of that commercial that would have been more appropriate is if it were stuck on my nose because I, at the very end, I always, I always. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to add any length to that. I, mean, I don't yeah. put my hand in it. I just, I, I tip it over and I try to eat it, eat the crumbs right out of the can. Oh, sure. And you could get stuck on a big schnoz and yeah. it could be stuck on you for the rest. But I thought that that was cute. I and thought, they just yeah. kept cutting from like marriage, the baby, yes. the then funeral. The yes. guy's dead. <laughs> I know, hilarious. With, with the Pringles thing. Yeah. I thought the biggest laugh in the room, I think, came from the mind reading one with Scarlett Johansson. Oh, well, I had seen that one oh, for okay. a few days. Yeah, I'd, I'd seen an article about that one. I don't know where I read an article and, and in the art. Yeah, that was the yeah, very that funny. may have been the number one commercial. The, yeah, probably. Yeah. And I, another one I loved was uh, Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd. I thought was really funny. Yeah. At the end, the Were ghost. They reminiscing. Yeah. And then he married the ghost. Yeah. He married the ghost. The very end. Okay. I thought that was pretty funny. A little out there for me. Yeah, I guess it's a little out a little there. out there for me. Anyway, those are the ones that I wrote okay. down that I remember. Oh, Jim Carrey as cable guy. Oh, didn't see it, but I heard it in the background. Yeah, I think I walked away. It takes a lot of money for people to reprise those roles. Like you couldn't, you probably couldn't pay Tom Hanks enough to say life is like a box of chocolates. You know what I'm saying? Like they hate doing that for some reason. Well, I guess money talks because now he's the. How cable much did they give Jim Carrey? I don't know. I would love. We to We gotta know. find out. We'd love because you know, and even Macaulay Culkin, who's probably been trying to get away from Home Alone, did a really cool. I think it was Google commercial where he just reprises role. He's jumping on the bed and being Kevin McAllister again. So it's funny how these people hate Everybody's doing that, got a number, don't they? Well, like the great Ted DiBiase said, everybody's got a price. Everybody's got a price. Everybody does, yes. Even, even, even Tom Hanks? Like a Wilson? Ooh. Wilson! Yeah. He's never going to do those. He'll no, never no do it? No Forrest Gump, none of that stuff, no. Okay. Anyway, I thought the commercials right. were fantastic, and I don't you, usually like are them. Are you sad that the season's over? No more NFL. No more football. Yeah, College course. is over. NFL. You get the blues. Do you get the post-football blues at all or not at all? Not as much as I used to, but yeah. I really love the spring. And like when it's sunny outside, I start thinking about college basketball. Yeah. And watching the Huskies play a great first half of a first half. 25-10 or 25-11. <laughs> like 25 tables awesome. And then I don't think they scored the rest of the game. <laughs> I don't think so either. All these running bank shots were going in. I'm like, this is awesome. You just knew it wasn't going to last. But oh I, So I love I love looking forward to college basketball and I love the championship week and all that. So yeah, it's going to suck. The Masters. Yeah, that kind of stuff as baseball, well. Baseball, opening day, no. By the way, a friend of mine, yeah, baseball too with the Mariners, yeah, but yeah. A, fr a friend of mine bet OBJ to be the MVP of the Super Bowl. And he, Boy, was he was loving his bet. Yeah. 25 to 1. Yeah. He was. Really? Yeah. He was loving it. Why would it be so high? I mean, you can pick a lot of guys. I mean, you know. 25 to 1 on a guy that could. Right. Exactly. That, that's yeah. why he bet it. Yeah. He was. It's after, a great bet. He was loving it. I'd like it. to buy his ticket from him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like it 25 down. cents oh. for it. God, oh, it's torture. God. The Rams. Sean McVay. Matt Stafford. Super Bowl champs. McVay's like this wonder kid, right? He's like the second genius. time. He's already been there twice. Yeah, finally got one. And he was out coached in the first one. And now, yep, he got it. I, I didn't think that the Rams were able to put that drive together. That was a really, a Impressive. really surprising drive. And then it looked like the Bengals were coming back down the field for at least a field goal. Yep. 
for with, at least and then that Aaron, great kicker right that kicker's amazing yeah, the, and, the, the kicker came out at halftime he, he, <laughs> he was wasn't even it. in the locker room he was hanging out at halftime watching the halftime show he sure was yeah he's a little bit of a cocky guy you know he was he was drafted he's the only kicker that was drafted yeah, out that. of the university of florida and he's out there you know he's just he's immune it's, it seems like he's immune to the pressure he would have made it he would have definitely made it. I wonder I, I, if anyone won money on the prop bet. Will there? Will someone other than a QB throw a touchdown? Because it was Joe Mixon. Didn't he throw one to T. Higgins? He did. I wonder if anyone... First throw as a NFL football player. I, I wonder if anyone won that prop bet. I was thinking about that. That's a pretty big hit, I bet. Because that's not... I mean, how often does that happen, right? You might occasionally see a running back throw, but for a touchdown? I'm curious what that paid. I wonder if any of our listeners happen to... Happened to hit that one. I thought that was interesting. Well, the aforementioned, we, didn't we talk about Marcus Allen in the T section? Yes. He was the greatest throwing running back of all time, you know. Was he? Yeah, I think I think he had a perfect passer rating. I think they, they called huh. upon him to throw like, you'd have to go check me on this, yeah. but I think in his career, he may have thrown like eight or ten passes in his career, and they were all touchdowns. He was like... I didn't he, know he, that. He was like nine of nine with nine touchdowns or nine of ten. Some crazy really? number. You check me. Yes, <laughs> okay. Marcus Allen's got, I think, a perfect passer rating. I didn't know that. He was the best at throwing that halfback pass. I so watched a lot of Marcus Allen in my life, too, and I'm surprised I did. I don't remember him being that good at it, but I believe Yes, you. he was amazing at it. Huh. He was amazing at it. Yeah. Anyway, but okay. Speaking yeah. of people who have a price, it was nice to see Morgan Freeman Again, not able to say no to anything, voicing some commercial. God. Morgan Freeman. How much does that guy get <laughs> to voice something? He's never said no. And a- when he does, have you ever heard Frank Caliendo do him? Oh, it's great, yeah. They could they could save a lot of money True. by just going to Frank Caliendo. They, I don't think anybody could, I don't think he could be sued. He just does a voice. It happens to sound a lot like the. You're pushing it probably a little bit. Well, how? You may if have they, to get if Morgan's. They, if they never identify Frank Caliendo as as Morgan yeah. Freeman. If he sounds like Morgan Freeman, he sounds like Morgan Freeman, <laughs> doesn't true. he? With my friend Andy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, Shatner, of course, Shatner can't say no to a commercial. You see no, him? No. He came yeah, walking he was, out and That something. was a good commercial. What was that? What was yeah, that? I can't remember. There was what a lot was. of people in that a commercial. A lot of people. It was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can't yeah. say, what is he, 90? Yes, he is 90. Still doing commercials. And, and boy, does he have a lot of money. The does price, he? Yeah, he has a piece of Priceline. He got a huge. He's. I, I don't. That, I don't think it was. I don't think he got endorsement money. I think when they came to him and he was a spokesperson, yeah, he took a piece of the company instead of a a fee, hmm. and that was like hundreds yeah. and hundreds and hundreds. Of, yeah, he's a fabulously wealthy guy. His grandkids are loving it. Keep yeah. working. Anyway. Keep working, Grandpa. Anyway. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Super Bowl Fifty Six is in the books. The Rams defeat the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Hope everybody won a little money. I know everybody here is probably pissed in, in the Northwest yeah. that the Rams are Super Bowl champs and we're not. Oh, well. Sometimes when you That's spend, the way it goes. But when you go out and spend a little money to get those pieces, it works, right? Yeah. OBJ, Von Miller running around like he was 22. Yeah. I mean, the, we Seahawks did it with the right people. With Bennett and Averill. They had no pass rush against the Falcons that last playoff game. They go get those two and they win the Super Bowl. It works sometimes, right? You go out and spend the money on the right pieces. Yep. And Jamal, you get what you pay for. Jamal Adams. Yeah, it works. Um, <laughs> not always. I said it can work. <laughs> Let's do three interviews, uh, some some familiar voices you'll hear on this episode 178, and then I've got a ton of kind of review um, circling back. Okay. On on the other stuff segment, there's a lot of stories that we've once talked about that we're going to come back to. Nice. Okay? Okay. All right. Hey, look who's on the line. It's Lindsay Schwartz, the CEO of Daniels. How's Lindsay Schwartz doing? How are the restaurants doing, Lindsay? 
I'm doing great, Mitch, and the restaurants are doing great too. It's uh, it's been a good run here the last few months. Trends are getting better and better, and uh, we're looking forward to moving into the spring and summer. You know what I haven't asked you in a while about the pandemic and how it's still impacting fine dining, if it is impacting you guys at Daniel's Broiler? You know, for us, we do a lot of special occasion business, so we've been doing great for the holidays, as we've discussed, Thanksgiving, December, Valentine's Day. We get a lot of anniversaries and birthdays celebrated with us, so that that feels pretty normal. We're not seeing as much corporate business lunches, business dinners, happy hour, but overall, things are, are really getting back to normal and hope that trend continues. I've always said that March Madness is my favorite time of the sports world. Lindsay, with the NCAA tournament and all the things that come along, you guys have your own long-standing tradition as well at Daniel's Broiler of Bellevue. Tell everybody about the 11th annual Bourbon Bash this year. Yeah, that's personally my favorite event that we do every year. It's March 12th at Daniel's Bellevue. And uh, we use all of the banquet rooms. We have vendors. All of our vendors bring their bourbons in. We'll have a selection of over 100 different bourbons to try, including some Pappy Van Winkle. It's a lot of fun. Great passed around appetizers. We've already got a bunch of signups. There's still some tickets left, but it's going to be a really nice event again this year. Danielsbroiler.com to buy tickets, correct? Yes. Okay. The other night, I look up and my wife's got the old-fashioned Daniels mixer out. She's got the bourbon out, all out of the blue. And it reminded me of your mixers on Amazon, which still are selling well. Yeah, they're selling great. I love to hear that. We've been on Amazon for over a year, keeps getting busier and busier. And recently we launched locally at QFC and that's off to a really good start too. Okay. So the bourbon bash is March 12th. It's the 11th annual. It's at the Bellevue location. You can get some tickets at danielsbroiler.com. It's the biggest event they do over the course of the year. We love Daniels Broiler, a great partner and a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. 2420, something like that, Rams. Yeah, right, right on the right on the number, uh, the four-point number anyway. Okay, no. Hecker pitched the ball up bad snap. And Cincinnati will not spend that final timeout. They'll let the Rams exult. Sean McVay gets the Gatorade bath after five seasons. Cooper Cup, phenomenal. Episode 178 continues, and I had to call an audible, okay? As any great quarterback would, I'm not calling myself a great quarterback. (laughs) I'm just saying I had to call an audible. I came to the line, I looked at the defense, and I had to change the play. You see, our next guest on this episode 178, I I couldn't wait until Thursday to speak with America's favorite guest because by the time I got him on Thursday – The world would have heard him on 74 other shows. I I can't wait. I can't risk it. I got to hear. I got to hear from him right away, right after the Super Bowl. And ladies and gentlemen, here he is, the former GM, executive of the year in the National Football League, going to tell us all the things he liked and he didn't like about Super Bowl 56. My friend, Randy Mueller. Was it a good game? I would say it was an okay game. I don't think it was a great game. It was competitive. And, and I know our announcers were, you know, talking about seven games in a row. You know, I don't think it was the best game for a lot of people. I'll say that. Okay. Do you know that I, I spoke to a guy last week who told me Rams 24, Bengals 20. He was a white haired, <laughs> he was a silver haired 
<laughs> handsome, tanned Idaho yeah. man. <laughs> and yeah. uh, had they had they had the Bothell High School punter not yeah. ruined the PAT, you would have had it right. You would have yeah. nailed the final <laughs> score, Randy Mueller. How about that? Yeah. Well, what do they say? Even a blind squirrel finds an acorn every now and then, you know, I got lucky on one. Hey, I, I, I think, believe it or not, this is one of the games where I, I studied it a lot on tape and it actually, what I saw came to fruition. Really? So yeah. the matchups, kind of the coverages, kind of the plan, the, what I thought was going to happen. And sometimes it works out, you know, sometimes you just see it, um, you know, also the under, I didn't think there would be a lot of points. Perfect. Um, you had it right and I think you said it yeah. and you know, the betting world better than I do. Didn't you say about a money line or something like that yeah. with, yeah. with, uh, yeah. you know, so that, that would have paid okay too. Right. Yeah. I tell you, yeah. it, it was a, uh, yeah, maybe it was the most predictable of games that we've seen in a while. You said to me on, on your first blush, when we went back to the, we're going back to a, a patron show. You said first blush, Mitch is, I worry about Joe Burrow being protected. He got sacked nine times against Tennessee. Yeah. Now they still won that game, but how many times was he was he uh, sacked on Sunday evening? It seven, was seven times. So yeah. they had trouble. They had trouble protecting him. And and okay, for those that are aware of our shows together, we like to start with a thing that I call three things. We were talking about doing a weekly show way back when, before the season started, and I said, Randy, I think it'd be nice just from watching your your segments with other people, I think it would be great if we just threw the ball to you and let you tell us three things that you like about a certain week, three things that you didn't like. You know me, I like the things that you don't like more than I think. <laughs> but 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 I think you're prepared, even with the biggest of big games, you're prepared with three, three things that you liked and three things that you didn't like about Super Bowl 56, right? I spend a day at it, just like you, just like any of the normal fans. Right. The first thing that kind of ticked me off, Mitch, was the golf. Had had a chance to be in, had had a chance to end on eighteen. The PGA had it sorted out perfect. Scotty Scheffler just got to make a putt, and then and then the ratings go down and we switch over, right? But the guy missed the putt, so How they go in overtime. Was, and that putt was terrible. I mean, it was only oh, about seven it wasn't even feet. close. No. It looked like you or I. It looked like you or I at Bellevue Muni. Come on, that was awful. No, it looked so like yeah, you. that looked that like ticked me off. Looked like you, not me. Look like you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. I'll, I'll give you that one. Okay. Sure enough. So, so that kind of set the tone for, I wasn't sure. And I also told you last week, I love the commercials. I love the whole deal. Right. Mm -hmm. I thought that's my biggest disappointment. I, I thought the commercials were bad. Really? I, I just thought, and this is my opinion. I thought they were trying too hard. They're trying to be too cute. You know, whether the marketing guys are trying to you know, I know it's 6 million bucks for a 30 second commercial, but there were some of these companies, I didn't even know what they were selling after 30 <laughs> seconds. They spent 6 million bucks and I, can, I, I can't even buy anything for 6 million bucks. I didn't even understand it. So maybe some of that was my Idaho IQ. I didn't connect the dots <laughs> and figure it out, but dang, I, uh, I was just disappointed. Okay. I, I liked the, the the Peyton Manning bowling one. Me I think too. it was a, Me too. it was an ultra. When Serena, uh, when Serena Williams comes yeah. in, he had, he had Brooks, a bunch of other athletes Brooks were in Kepka, that too, you know? Brooks Kepka. Yeah. 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 So I like that, that one. one I could identify with that a little bit, but that, that was really my Come first. A guy, a guy, a guy of your caliber had, <laughs> had to like the guy getting his arm stuck in the Pringles can. 
<laughs> and then having it on his arm for the rest of his life when he yeah, was a grand, I mean, he's holding his grandson with the Pringles thing. He's in the coffin with the, come on, <laughs> even, even an Idaho, even a simple Idaho man uh, had to be able to get that one. No, okay. I'm not a slapstick guy. Uh, okay. I, I don't like slapstick movies. I don't okay. like, okay. I don't like the, I the comedies. Is that yeah. what, so is that two things that you didn't like? That's the no, golf? that's just one. I'm okay. giving you the golf thing. Okay. The golf was for you. Okay. The commercial's bad. Okay. The second one though, is what you did bring up. Cincinnati's offensive line came back to bite them and bite them and bite them. We said seven sacks in the game. How about this? 19 sacks in the playoffs. The most any playoff quarterback had been sacked in 20 years. And it's not even close. The second most sacked was 12. So this kid's taking a punish beating. I mean, all year long, we've said it. I worry for him. I really do. Because everybody's going to say, well, now they can fix the offensive line. I got news for you. The offensive line has stunk for five years. It's the same people fixing it. And they haven't done it. I think we know another team or two out there that struggle with the offensive line and keep saying they're going to fix it. And we never get it fixed. So, you know, Stop I don't want to ruin your day, but I'm just saying, you know, so I struggle with that. How about, how about says, just draft draft offensive 2022 draft? Just take nothing but offensive line. I mean, throw them against the wall and hope that two or three of them will stick. What do you think about that idea? I guess. I mean, I, I kind of like to refine my evaluating skills, but okay. I guess if you take enough swings, you're going to eventually foul one off. And right. maybe that's all they need is a bloop single to right to, yeah. to shore up the left guard position. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's that hard, but that, that was hard. And, okay. and everybody says, well, Burrow's going to be back. He'll be back. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, I know Joe Burrow's good and I love him, but I just don't think you can take these kind of things for granted. They had a lot of things go their way. And we talked about it on the show before. The Titans weren't their best. They kind of choked it away and, and Bengals took advantage of it. The Chiefs were awful in the second half. We talked about their deficiencies and how Andy Reid had a had a you know, blink and missed it. And so I don't know. I mean, the, the, you got to have a lot of things line up to get to this point and then to blow it just on the fact that, and I know the Rams are a good team and probably a better team, but I just didn't like, you know, the kid taking this beating and I'm not taking it for granted. He's coming back. That's for sure. You, when you to say, that level, when anyway. you say coming back, you mean to the Super Bowl? Yeah. To that, to that so level. I'm going to set you up. Team. I'm going to set you up because everybody in our audience is thinking this. So I'll just say it. Are you telling me, that there's ever been, has there ever been any history of a second year great quarterback who made it to the Super Bowl in his second year and then never made it back when we all thought he'd be back four or five times? I remember a guy that wore number 13 for a certain yeah. South Florida team with curls coming out of the back of his helmet that was there his yeah. second year. Did he yep. ever, did oh, he, yeah. did he ever get back to the Super Bowl? Never got back. Naga, Naga, you can't consider it's a it's a foregone conclusion that right. he's coming back you know it just it's not the way it works out there's too many other things that got to happen and, and i'm not saying he won't because obviously joe bro's good but you just can't even look down that road so i felt bad for him i thought he carried him as far as he could by himself you okay. know? my third thing that i was disappointed was really the coaches game plans for both offensive sides i thought was shaky at best i thought i didn't think it was mcveigh's best day i, I know it wasn't uh uh zach taylor Zach Taylor's best day. I thought they got conservative. I thought um, for the most part, McVay didn't want to be criticized for not running the ball. And he'd waste a, a down or two on each position, just trying to prove that hey, it's not there. It's not there. You know, they rushed 23 times for 43 yards, 1.9 average. They were throwing the ball for seven, eight, seven, nine, you know, almost eight yards, a, a, a throw. Again, I, I'm not a genius, but I'm going to take the eight over the two but, every time. But then OBJ went out. I understand. And, I understand. and it, seemed to, it seemed to get really hard 
for the Rams offense, or am I wrong about that? It seemed to get no, really... No, I do think it got hard, but yeah. that shouldn't have affected, you know, some other things they were doing. I just thought his strategy and his plan didn't come with any second level or adjusting, and really both of them. I mean, I thought Zach Taylor at the end of the game, when they went for it on third and fourth down, the, the lack of imagination of those calls were, gosh, I mean, really? That's what we're going to do when we have the Super yeah. Bowl on the line? Yeah. That's what we're going to call? So I just didn't think it was the best night for those two guys. Let me give you a theory. Yep. Uh, just, just a theory. Uh, and this is just for Zach Taylor. This isn't for, for the Rams. Zach Taylor. Yep. Zach Taylor comes to the second half. He gets fortunate that a, a penalty's not called on that long 75-yard touchdown pass. They yep. take the lead. They lead the whole second half. The Rams are struggling to get first downs. They're not doing anything against us without OBJ. They don't have Tyler Higby. We're shutting them down. They don't. We got a four-point lead, and they don't look like they're capable of going all the way and putting the ball in the end zone. And at the same time, I'm watching my quarterback get sacked seven times. I feel like that maybe the only way we lose this game as the second half is progressing, maybe the only way I lose this game is if we we turn it over or we give them a short field. So let's button up offensively. Let's button up offensively, protect the four-point lead because they can't go down. They're not going to go down. Of course, they did. They went down. 15 plays worth. 15 plays worth. 15 plays worth. But maybe maybe Zach Taylor during the second half was thinking, you know what? My quarterback's getting killed. My offensive line. Let's not give the Rams a short field and let's just win this game 20 to 16 and go home. We'll win this game 20 to 16 and we'll go home. I don't, I think it's a theory. I'll give you that. It's a theory. And and I'm not against it, but I think I would have at least worked in some bubble screens or some screens to to Mixon. And Mixon wasn't even the game in the game at the end on those plays. Yeah, he was. That's inexcusable. They had that pass package in where they have the running back that, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I, I mean, hear, I just, yeah, yeah. it just wasn't their best day. Okay. And okay. yeah, you could make a point for that. But I'll tell you what, I, I'm getting into the Super Bowl and I'm going to go win the thing. Okay. okay. I'm yeah. going to go win the game. Um, I think they're undermanned. I think they knew they were undermanned a little bit. But, you know, maybe they got lulled to sleep because of the injuries. But still, I mean, even Cup. They didn't double cup. Cup got what he wanted for the most part. I didn't see double coverage on him very often. Maybe they just couldn't figure that out either. So, you know, okay. I, I don't know. I okay. just think it wasn't their best day. Okay. And that is that that's three, right? That's the that's three, three th- on the bad how, side. How yeah. about on the good side? On the good side for me, the halftime was awesome, Mitch. Huh. I'm a hip hop guy. I'm telling you, <laughs> I love it. Hey, hey, how about this? How about this? You'll love this. You are not. You'll love this. And you'll give me a hard time, but I'm going to tell the story anyway. Okay. I do a deal on Fox every Tuesday night. I think I may have mentioned this to you with Steve uh, uh, Broussard and Rob Parker. Not Steve and Broussard. Not Steve. No, 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 no. Chris Broussard. And so they have me come on every Tuesday and we have a visit. Not like you and I. We're, we're buddies, but I go on with them and I, I like them. I know them. Anyway, they've wanted me to have an a introductory song. And, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this to what I want to do. So this tells you, I do like hip hop. I have Nelly and Air Force Ones. You probably don't even know the song. Nelly and Air Force One. That's my walk up music. right? <laughs> so when I come on Fox Radio, it's a hip hop song from the early 2000s. One of my favorite songs. I love uh, it. I like all these genres of music. I really do. It's crazy. Now, do you I have, thought the halftime was awesome. Do you have a walk up song? On, I don't think there are enough walk-up songs <laughs> for America's yeah. favorite guest. Well, maybe they ought to get it together and figure it out and, and know who they're speaking to. Let's get it right. <laughs> so you love, all right, so you love, everybody loved the halftime show. 
I thought the only thing that would have sent it over the top is if Barry Manilow showed up. But that's okay. <laughs> I'll take, and I love Barry, but 50 Cent was pretty good now. Okay. And the best thing about it was it was old school hip hop. So you, you, it was really 2002, not 2022 hip hop song. So maybe okay. that's why I could. Relate. I'm impressed. <laughs> I, I, I knew I wanted, I, I knew I wanted, uh, Randy Mueller on our show week to week. I, if I had known this, we would have done two times a week, not one time a week. But See, you thought you were getting a logger from Idaho. I got it. <laughs> hey, the more you can do, baby, the more you can do. Okay. I love it. All right. okay. The second thing I liked was really ha having to go with the Rams. I like the fact that their stars played good. I love the star theory. I, I got to give them credit for going all in. I think they did some things, you know, Whitworth, 40 years old, Stafford, what do they say? You can take the kid out of Detroit, but you can't take the Detroit out of the kid. He still threw two picks, but still played good. Donald, really good. Ramsey didn't have his best night, but I just, I was happy for these guys. Mainly it's Whitworth and Donald and the guys who build it in the trenches week after week. I was just happy for their group. So okay. I give them credit for that. Nice. And I give their GM credit for making the moves to, to, that were controversial, but it actually worked out. So I'm happy for halftime show number the other one. Thing, halftime show number one and the stars yep. playing well is number two. And number three is yeah, number three was the 15 play drive. Oh. I really thought it was without OBJ, without oh. some of the things that they had done all year. You talk about gutted out now. And again, he was I didn't think he managed the clock right. I thought they could have done a little better job of winding the clock, doing some things different. Yeah, but they got the score. They got it to cup. They did, you know, they, 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 yeah, they got a little help from the refs, but I didn't think those were bad calls. I just think sometimes you got to make a call and they did it. So that 15 play drive was really impressive to me. And, and I thought obviously that won the game for him on the scoreboard, but I, I was glad to see it kind of, Hey, they, they, they showed that they were the better team at that point. Can I cry on your shoulder for a second? Sure. I went I'm out, to, I went out to the Snoqualmie casino on Thursday night deciding I was going to make a, a wager on the game to have a little skin in the game just to, to you know to 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 inject some uh, some interest for me in watching the game and I was going over sure. the sheet of all these proposition bets and I came across one that I thought oh, you know I'm going to I'm going to put a few dollars hard earned dollars on that particular bet and the bet was what's the longest touchdown play of the game going to be and the over under was 42 and a half you could bet more or less and I thought you know what? I'll just play the percent. I just think, I, I don't know why I think this. There won't be a long touchdown. I'll take under 42 and a half. Now, yeah. I lost the bet, as you know, but I lost it on a 75-yard touchdown pass where the receiver was allowed to yank the cornerback's <laughs> face mask and toss him out of the way. Now, you've been out of the game for a few years, at least out of, out of, out of the front offices. Is there a new rule that I don't know about that allows a wide receiver to take a cornerback's helmet to take no. his face mask and toss him aside for a 75. I'm bitter. I lost money yeah. on that play, Randy. What about that? I bet you it gets some discussion for that reason at Park Avenue next week. It'll get discussed just from a gambling point of view, because as you know, everything's viewed different now because we've signed off on all this gambling is an issue. And I think it'll eventually lead. And I've said this for the last three years, an eye in the sky. We need a sky judge. We need a trumping person upstairs to fix things just like that. I just don't think you can do that anymore. Not with the amount of money, not with the amount of attention this game is getting, the billions of dollars that are out there every day. You just can't let things like that happen. There's no reason to. 2022, we got some technology, I think. Yeah. You and I might not have it, but they have it out there. Yeah. So 
I just think it's going to lead to a discussion, and I think it's a valid point. Two years ago, we tried a system where where coaches were allowed to to challenge yeah. that play. Had that play been challenged, had the Rams coach Sean McVay been allowed two years ago to challenge, they would have gone back and looked at the replay, seen the offensive player, grabbed the defensive player by the face, and, and they would have reversed that play yeah. and called it pass interference. But somehow, And nobody would have complained. No. Even, the, even the Bengals couldn't have complained. So... Why did we do away with that rule two years ago? It was uh, they didn't, they didn't, the owners didn't like that. Didn't like stopping it was a one year deal, yeah, you yeah, know, to appease yeah. somebody. Probably yeah. some other agenda. Well, involved. the Saints, the, you know, you know, it was the game. It was yeah. the play. Whatever the Saints against the Rams, Saints game, Rams, yeah, Saints yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. all right. Well, it's been it's been a blast. I got to tell you, you know, I knew that it would be great to have Randy Mueller a part of Mitch Unfiltered uh, once a week during the football season. I really didn't know that I would have this much fun. I really had a lot. I hope you'll do it again next year. And as we, you'll, you'll come on from time to time during the off season. And I know you're busy with Vegas and Bruce and, <laughs> yeah, right. St- and Steve Broussard <laughs> <laughs> and his brother, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know you're busy as America's fan, but you were just, I, I can't say enough good that you should be. In fact, you should be unavailable to me next year because you should be doing this on Fox or ESPN, or I'm telling you, you are you are terrific at what you do, and we love we loved every bit of it. Every, every I appreciate single bit it. Of it. I concur. I've enjoyed the whole year long. And uh, when I told my wife I was going to do this, she said, "What?" I said, "Yeah, I'm going to do it every week. I like Mitch. It's going to be fun." And 100, I totally agree. We've had a great time, and I can't wait to do it again. Well, tell her not to say what next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, she knows how much I want to hunt and fish and all the other stuff. So, <laughs> thank you, Randy. You're yeah. the best. Thank you for being with us. Thanks, Mitch. Take care. When one of the nation's leaders in the mortgage business, Cross Country Mortgage, wanted to set up shop in Kirkland, they immediately called Mitch Unfiltered sponsor Jordan Flowers and acquired his entire team. So that's the way it's done. And here he is, the former East Lake and Washington State wide receiver, Jay Flo in the house. Hi, Jay Flo. Hey, how are you, Mitch? Mitch Thank the you kid. for the kind of Mitch, Mitch the, the kid. <laughs> Mitch the kid, the slicker. Oh, I love it. Uh, oh. How would you say the first year is going at Cross Country? And you've got a lot of news and notes on rates and limits and second homes. Lay that stuff on us. Yes, absolutely. Lots of news coming out. Interest rates are going up to get in front of the inflationary curve that we're all kind of seeing, experiencing, and hearing about in the news. Loan limits have gone up to 647000 nationally for a Fannie Mae Freddie Mac backed loan. So anybody looking to buy a home in the 700000 range is looking yeah. at three to five percent down at this point, hoping to make home ownership more possible. And there are a lot of good estimations as far as even your home values increasing this year from the National Mortgage Bankers Association, five, six, 10% again in this market based it, off supply and demand. Jordan, if our homeowners are like me, they auto pay their mortgage every month and hardly ever take a look at their interest rates and opportunities to save money. So let's say I'm in year eight of a 30-year fix. I've got great credit. My rate's 4.5%. All right, I want to stay in a 30-year. What can a seven-minute call with either you or a member of your team yield me? Yes, well, we can yield you several hundred dollars a month in savings, depending on what you want to do. If it's a 30-year fix you're looking for, rates are still much lower than 4.5. If you're looking at a 20-year, we can shorten the term and still save you two, three, four hundred dollars a month, potentially. So we would look at 15, 20, 25, and 30-year options for you based on what your ultimate goals are. Phone number to reach you? 
425-890-2957. The Kirkland Office of Cross Country Mortgage. Give them a call. See what Jordan Flowers' team can do for you. If the answer is nothing, you're only out seven minutes. That's not a lot. We love Cross Country Mortgage. We love Jordan Flowers. Great sponsors of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Finding room, going deep, and it's caught by Higgins. He goes in for the score. Pass. Got it. Touchdown. Uh, Slicky. Mitchie. Slicky. Mitchie. (laughs) Oh, agony, Mitchie. Why agony? Why agony? Because of the over-under or why agony? No, the agony because I mean I I was this close to just making a killing. To I mean they were gonna name the Emerald Queen <laughs> Casino after me, <laughs> or at least maybe the sports book, the Slickhawk uh, sports book, the Emerald Queen Casino. It was that close. Oh, uh, well, but, were you uh, a, were you overall a winner or were you overall a loser or were you overall square? It's funny. I lost about 10 bucks. You lost 10 bucks. <laughs> After all is said and done. I lost about 10 bucks. Okay. You know? Well. So what, what, the, the, some of the props saved me, but it could have been a really, really good. If the Bengals had pulled that out, it would have been a really, really good day. Because you um, had the Bengals on the money line? Because the, the Bengals I plus have, four was a winner. Did you have the Bengals plus four? I had that. Okay. Um, and I've got my winners and losers right here. Okay. Here, here my, good, good, good. Yeah, so I got my so my winners. Uh, yeah, I had the Bengals plus four. Matt Stafford throwing more than half an interception. Uh, the Rams first to ten, and uh, I had the Rams scoring exactly three touchdowns. Really? Yeah. How much? What, what kind of odds did you get on that? Uh, plus two seventy five. That's good. That's almost on a twenty dollar wager. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. So those are the winners. Those are the winners. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we were gonna do this. I, I stacked them up. <laughs> okay. Um, Rams Bengals shortage uh, shortest touchdown yardage over one and a half yards. Thanks, Cooper Cup. Uh, oh, here's the big one. The one that I did before the AFC championship oh, for the Bengals to win I the Super Bowl. It. Yes. 450 big ones. Oh, yes. <clears throat> oh, yes. This is the other one that really hurts. This is the, it's called the double result. So if you can nail the halftime leader and who wins the game. So I had Rams, Bengals, double result plus 900. Oh, so the Rams had to lead at halftime. And then the Bengals oh had to win. Gosh, you were yeah. so close. So I would have kept just those two tickets. I would have cashed 650 bucks. The Slick Hawk Emerald Queen Casino. <laughs> and then I had uh, Bengals winning by seven to 12 points. That obviously didn't happen. That was plus 625, but that was a pipe dream. But we, And then the over didn't hit. No. God, you and had a lot the, of bets. That's yeah, a and, lot then of the bets. Sa- and then whether or not a safety would be scored, ah. plus 750. So, you know, well, a lot I of gu- bets. I guess I should read the texting interaction between you and me on Thursday. <laughs> 
the the pressure filled that you put all the pressure on me. Yeah. You 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 put your financial stake in my hands. So I had this is never a good thing. I had this um I had this plan to go out to the Snoqualmie Casino. You go to the Emerald Queen. I go to the Snoqualmie Casino. I was so nice go. that we can do that now. I was gonna go. I was gonna get on in the car and go out on Thursday Thursday evening, and make my Super Bowl wager or wagers. And I went out there fully intending to um, to make a bet on the Rams. One bet on the Rams, maybe a hundred bucks. I didn't have a, a a real legitimate feel on the game. All mm-hmm. I know is that at the beginning of the season, when I would talk on this podcast to either Scott or Mueller or whomever, I kept on saying at the beginning, when you look at the when you look at the rosters of all these teams in the NFL, how do yep. you find a more balanced team? This is the beginning of the season than the LA Rams since they've ad- since they've added Stafford. You got Stafford, you got the run game, you got the offensive line, you've got the great 99, you've got mm-hmm. you've got Leonard Floyd, you've got the great corner. I, I just couldn't imagine at the beginning of the season that you could have a more balanced team on paper, even though even though the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the world champs and they were bringing back all 22 of their starters, the first Super Bowl champion to bring back all 22 of their starters like ever in the history of the at least free agent era. I, I just thought, and, and then the season went along and I was just under impressed. I was not impressed by the Rams. I thought the Rams would be better. And there were games, I can remember a Sunday night game against the Tennessee Titans. The reason I remember that is I was in Vegas with my brother <laughs> and we put money on the Titans mm-hmm. were playing without Derrick Henry I think they were playing without one of the two big wide receivers. Yeah. It was they in, didn't have Julio, and I believe that was their first game without Derrick yeah. Henry. It was yeah. in it was in L.A. on a Sunday night. I remember and Stafford it. looked like me out there. I mean, he it was <laughs> terrible. I mean, it wasn't just bad; he was terrible. And I just yeah. and then finally something happened at the end of the season. They got Von Miller, and they got other people, and uh, you know, hey. It worked out for them, and they got to this point. So I was going to the Snoqualmie Casino, the long, long-winded long story. I was going to the Snoqualmie Casino, assuming that I was just going to make a bet on the Rams, but I didn't know for sure. Okay. And then I thought, you know what? Ugh. You know who the you know who the hottest playoff gambler <laughs> in the Pacific Northwest is? Why don't I just put all of my stones, all of my balls, all of my eggs in the Slickhawk basket. So I wrote you a text. I actually dictated it. I said, hey, Siri, text Matt Miklas. And what do you want to say? And I wrote, all right, I'm heading to the Snoqualmie Casino. This is Thursday night. I've yeah. got 100 bucks to bet on the Super Bowl. How do you want me to do it? Yeah. And your reaction was, here's what you wrote. Okay. You're, you're going to put that pressure on me, capital yes, me? I, yes, I didn't want it. Okay. <laughs> and I wrote, absolutely, you've told me that you're red hot during the playoffs, right? Question and I mark. have been, and I have been. So then you wrote back the following. If it's me, I'm smashing Cincy plus four and the over. Mm-hmm. I'd also take Cincy over two and a half touchdowns at minus 115. <laughs> If you feel good about that, then also take McPherson over two and a half extra points, which is paying like 135. Wild, you wrote. Stafford <laughs> Stafford has a pick like every game. You can get over a half pick from him uh, for minus 120. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, got it. Either way, this will make for a hell of a segment on Sunday night. 
And, and I didn't include, and I forgot to include <laughs> one that I really liked too, which was T. Higgins over 69 and a half yards receiving. Whatever. So, so what'd you end up doing? Well, I ended up making one of your bets. One of <laughs> So wait, let's see. You you said smashing Cincy plus four, and of course, because mm-hmm. of the extra point, Cincy plus four is a winner. Yep. Um, I did not take the over, although the over's a loser. Mm-hmm. I did not take Cincinnati over two and a half touchdowns. Right. That was a loser. <laughs> I did not take McPherson over two and a half extra points. Wild, but a loser. <laughs> I did not take Stafford over a half pick, which would have been a winner, right? He had two. Yeah. Did he have two? Or did yeah. he have one? He had one two. or two. He had two. Okay. Two. So the only thing I did was I took, I changed what I wanted to do. I was actually going to, the truth is I was actually going to take the Rams probably on the money line. I probably wasn't going to lay four, but then it would have been minus 180 or minus 200, whatever. So I just went ahead and I did exactly what you said. The first line, which is I'm smashing Cincy plus the four. So I put, but here's the problem. Here's the kicker. Oh no. As I was eating my. Mongolian grill at the buffet at the Snoqualmie <laughs> Casino. And I was perusing the sheet of all of the bets. I noticed one bet that I said, oh, my God, I got to do this, too. What was it? Longest touchdown scored. I figured it's not going to go over 42 and a half yards. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey's out there. Jalen Ramsey's out there. And uh, Awuzie. And, and, if, and, and if God forbid... If, God forbid, one of the receivers of the Bengals actually grabs Ramsey by the face mask and throws him (laughs) down on a 75-yard touchdown, uh, it's going to get called back, so I don't have anything to worry about, right? Well. (laughs) Wait a second. Since when are wide receivers allowed with the ball in the air to grab a defensive back by his face mask and flip him aside? I really don't think think they are. You know know why Um, they're all? You know why they are? Because because you made that bet. Because Mitch had the under on the longest touchdown of 42 and a half yards. That's why. Man, they, boy, until about two minutes to go in the game, they really kept those flags in their pockets, didn't they? (laughs) And then it was just a flag party. You get a flag and you get a flag. And here's two flags, a couple right here in the end zone. There you go. All that being said, I, I don't know that I... I don't know that the only one that I vehemently disagreed with, and it's because of my bet, probably. I probably would have disagreed if I didn't have the bet. You can't throw a guy. You can't grab a defensive back by the I mean, if he would have thrown him aside by using a shoulder pad, maybe. 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 But as soon as you see the receiver has taken the guy by the by the face mask. Yeah. That you can't allow. You can't let that go. Can you or am I just being Well, you're I, not supposed to. I mean, that's Jesus. that's a clear foul. That that, that should have been called. <laughs> oh, so. I thought it was great at the time. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so I I just, you know, since he blew it there, I mean, and, and not defensively, they did a great job defensively. They shut down the run of the Rams, and we've seen time and time again where the Rams can get, you know, if you could shut down the running game so much of what they like to do runs off of that. So they had the formula, but they, had it. they shriveled up on, on the offense. One, they not only shriveled up on offense, but really the one, I thought they were going to win. I, yeah. I thought, well, not at the beginning. I actually thought the Rams were going to win, but I made your bet because you told me to. But, <laughs> but I, in the second half of that game, when you were watching how the Rams were so inept 
offensively when they didn't have OBJ or the tight end, of course, who didn't mm-hmm. play. You just, they just didn't look they, – they had no running game. They were double-covering cup. The other yeah. receivers did not do any – Jefferson wasn't getting open. The tight end or the other guy, number 18, I'm not sure. He's not a tight end. There was 88 and 18. Skarinic. One, one of them was dropping balls into inter- – I mean, the Rams yeah. just didn't look like they were capable mm-hmm. of putting that drive together that they did. And I think when you say the Bengals' offense shriveled up, I wonder whether the head coach – thought like I did, which is they can't go down. They're not, they're down. We got them by four. They're not going down unless we give them a short field, unless we do something stupid offensively, they can't go down without OBJ in that tight end and put it in for six and beat us. We're going to win this game because they can't beat. I wonder if they were overconfident, kind of like I was in that second half. And maybe that's why they pulled the reins in offensively. I mean, they it looked that way. It looked like they were just, you know, playing not to lose, which you can kind of get fall in that trap. And I think that for Zach Taylor, he just, he, he's a young coach. And so it's a mistake that that hopefully that he, he learns from. But I just, you, you can't do that. And I think that there are a lot of factors. I think the fact that, all of a sudden, the that pass rush of the Rams was starting to get home where they weren't in the first half. You know that that, that played a factor, I think. But uh, I just think he fell victim. We've seen coaches do that before. There's, you just fall victim to okay, we've got this lead. They're not doing much right now. We we can stop them and just try to run the clock. But any any NFL quarterback and Matt Stafford is in the top ten, top twelve quarterbacks in the league. Any NFL quarterback can put that drive together at the end in crunch time when you have four downs to work with and you know you have to get in. So it just, I think that uh, you can't play like that. You can't, in that situation, you cannot shrivel up your offense. And and that's exactly what happened. There were, what, three straight runs that Joe Mixon picked up a first down and then the next two plays are runs and then it's third and long and they're forced to punt. They needed they needed a yeah. drive, yeah. and they yeah. they didn't even try to put one yeah. together. Well, I have a request as a Seahawks fan. Okay. Next year in 2022, can the Seahawks play the Rams with that group of receivers and tight ends that they had <laughs> in the Super? I think maybe the Seahawks could 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 slow down the Rams, even with Cup. If, yeah. they, if they had to face 18, 88. No Beckham yeah, and yeah. No, no Higby, no, no Woods. Receiver. Yeah, no yeah. second receiver. Yeah, that'd be I nice. think the Seahawks <laughs> would still lose probably to the Rams. Oh, dear. Because it's just it's an, it's a nightmare matchup for Seattle up front, you know, so. But it's a nice thought. Did you hear, um, Bo, did you hear Bo Baldwin last week? On our show, say we tried to tell the Seahawks. We tried to tell them about Cooper. Oh Cup. man, uh, we tried uh. to. Oh, he had to say that. Oh God. Yeah, that that's almost when you look at that, and then you look at them taking Kristen Michael over like Travis Kelsey. Like those are the oh, things. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, oh, now don't. Kristen Michael's gonna <laughs> pop. Just have some patience. <laughs> <laughs> it's still gonna. I like Kristen Michael. I've always uh-huh. liked Chris. I. It's going to work out. You just have to show a little more. Patience. Oh, that's right. I forgot you were that guy. <laughs> it's going to work always out. One, there's always one of those running backs that shows oh, the potential. Okay. You're just waiting on. Oh. It's Kristen Michael. It's pros. It's always one of them. All right. As we end up, <sighs> as we end this session with uh, with Slicky, Slicky and Mitchie on episode 178. Slicky, um, a lot of people like myself, not I wouldn't say are ragging on Pete Carroll for the defensive coordinator decision 
to promote from within instead of going out and getting somebody who maybe looks at the world a little differently. I kind of wanted him to do that, go out and get mm-hmm. somebody who's not who's not just a Pete Carroll kind of puppet, if you will. But if you are in that, I don't know if you were in that camp or not. I was certainly in that camp. Should <laughs> should the fact that they've gone out and get these other guys, these other, like, I don't know, assistant defensive coaches, there's like two or three guys they've mm-hmm. gotten from other teams. Mm-hmm. Should that change the way I feel if I felt the way I just stated or not? Well, they were they were all hot names, right? All these guys they were they were interviewing, or at least their names have been connected in with you know big jobs, defensive coordinator jobs, and okay. so they fall. To, I mean, and and even Donatel, who obviously he went to Minnesota to be their defensive coordinator, so that's another one, kind of in that realm of of hot names that were being brought in for defensive coordinators. So you know, it's not just the Seahawks, I guess, that that have identified these guys, the guys that can help. Is you know how much is Pete Carroll going to allow them to help? Uh, that that I don't know, but it could be other other voices, other people speaking up, getting in his head and getting in his ears and saying, hey, let's try this or do this. So yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to be a, a, as negative as as maybe I would have thought just, you know, initially when I heard the news that that Clint Hurt's going to be the replacement. I will say this, though, and this is stepping a little bit off the field and, and talking about what we talked about last week, which was the whole issue, you know, the minority coaches and things like that. Yes, you got to walk the walk, right? If you want to see change. And so the best way to these head coaching jobs, if we're talking about trying to see more black head coaches is by bringing in and promoting and having in these coordinator positions, uh, black representatives in these, in these coaching positions. And so I think it's, it's good for Clint hurt. I think it's, it's good that Pete Carroll is, is one of the coaches and that the, that Jody Allen is one of the owners that's, that's promoting this and getting, you know, a black defensive coordinator in there. And Ken Norton obviously was one as well. So um, it is good to be, it is good to be rooting for the team that seems to be part of the solution when it comes to that. We'll see what it means on the field. I don't know. Do you think he would have been the defensive coordinator if it weren't for the lawsuit? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. uh, Slicky. Uh, good job on your gambling, although you lost, what'd you say, $10? Like 10 bucks. $10. Yeah. But you did a great job over the course of the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. And, and. So net positive, big and time. And a new disposal and a, and a rose. <laughs> did you saw the new- Valentine's <laughs> Day gift? This is, what, this is what adulting is. Slicky. <laughs> You are the we, man, Slicky. Tell everybody we, what you did. Who didn't we didn't have it. a garbage. We've been talking for years about getting a garbage disposal. Yeah. You know, last year I, I kind of knocked uh, knocked out of the park. So I knew I had some collateral because last year I did the the ice maker oh, for Valentine's maker. Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I knew I had a little bit of collateral to yeah. get, go a little rogue. And Amy had been putting out this series on Twitter and it was funny. It's like what, what she doesn't want. Uh, she doesn't want flowers. She wants a garbage disposal. So. Uh, I got a garbage disposal there and installed and then I took one sink because she says you don't want flowers. I took one single rose and I placed it in oh, the sink in the garbage geez. disposal sick, sticking out. So God almighty. <laughs> she is married yeah. to the most romantic guy oh, in the yeah. Pacific Northwest. Nothing says hearts like uh, <laughs> like a garbage disposal. Let me tell you. <laughs> Thank you, Slicky. Talk to you uh, next to, for the patrons. All right. All right. We'll do it. Uh, we'll do it for real next next week well it's a new year and that means a new story for mitch as it pertains to my quizzes from katie versio senior financial planner 
Evergreen Golf Call. Katie, how are you? I'm doing well, Mitch. How are you? I'm good, and I'm feeling like 2022 is going to be my year to do better than like 0 for 3 and 1 for 3. What is the theme of the three questions this time around? So the theme today is what has the market been doing so far this okay. year? So right. seeing how close you've been paying attention. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so true or false? Oh. Through January 21st, the stock market is up on the year. Oh, that's definitely false. You're right. Okay. It's false. It's down about 8% through the first few weeks of the year. It's been a lot more volatility than we've seen recently. A lot of that is due to the rising COVID cases. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, there's some geopolitical risks that are going on, as well as the threat of rising interest rates in the future. All so right. overall, it's been a lot more volatile than, than we've seen recently. A rough start to 2022 for the stock market. Question number two, Katie. The bond market is up on the year. Is that true or false? I'm going to say true because when equities go down, bonds typically go up. So I'll say true. Uh, so that was a bit of a trick question oh. for you. It's actually false. The bond market is down about 1% this year. So that is the conventional wisdom when stocks go down, bonds go up, but it's been a, an environment we're looking at rising interest rates and that's been really impacting the bond market as well. All right, I'm one for two. I really need this one to get off to a good start this year in your eyes. So what's question number three? In a previous quiz, we discussed that the market measured by the S&P 500 has not had a correction since March of 2020. What percent down from peak to trough is officially considered a correction? Is it down 5%, down 10, 15, or 20%? I'm throwing out the extremes 5 and 20. This is what I did when I was back in school and I didn't know answers. So either B or C, I'll go, I'll go 15%. Ooh, it's actually 10. You were very close. We haven't seen a correction of 10% since March of 2020. The market's down about 8% right now. Okay. So now is the time for our evergreen clients. We're reaching out. If people have been in cash or wanting to get more aggressive, now with the market approaching that correction territory, it's a time that we're thinking about that for our clients. So here I am in 2022 starting off. Right where I left off in 21, one out of three, batting 333, but we still love Evergreen Golf Call. We love Katie Versio. They're a great partner. Evergreen is everything wealth. Unfiltered. And takes it in and nine seconds remain and the New England Patriots are on their way to solidifying their team as an NFL dynasty. Toss to White. He's in! Patriots win the Super Bowl! Brady has his fifth! Well, another NFL season is now in the books, which means here comes an offseason that'll be different in many ways, the biggest of which, the start of the post-Tom Brady era. Seth Wickersham wrote the New York Times bestseller, It's Better to Be Feared, The New England Patriots' Dynasty and the Pursuit of Greatness, and Seth joins us here on Mitch Unfiltered. How are you, Seth? Congratulations on all the success of the book. I'm good, man. How are you? Very, very good. Everyone is kind of speculating as to the biggest reason Tom Brady decided to walk away at this moment. The family, the Buccaneers' outlook for next year, 
the toll that the season took, the other business stuff off the field. Do you have a way of pinpointing it for us? What do you, what do you think? I think it's a little bit of everything, but I think that it can be summed up by just saying it was time. Remember when he left new England, he signed a two-year contract. And even though he renegotiated that in the off season, a lot of that was for salary cap purposes. His wife has been on the record for a number of years now uh, wishing that her husband would retire from football. Remember when he beat the Bucks? I mean, sorry, when he beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl last year, the first thing she says to him when she comes down to the field is, what more do you have to prove? First thing. And then he figures out a way to change the subject. And I think that for people close to Tom and close to the Buccaneers with about a month and about a month left in the season or so, it just seemed like that this was time. He had expanded into a bunch of new business ventures in the past year, and he was actually really enjoying them. And he really likes the potential of a lot, the Brady brand coupled with some of the TV 12 wellness stuff and what he could do globally with that. I think the season, obviously, it's always harder physically than Brady will ever let on. I'm not sure that that's the reason why he retired, but, you know, can always be a factor. And, and then I think finally, he's enjoyed the environment in Tampa Bay and he's enjoyed the coaches and he likes them a lot personally, but it's different than it was in New England. In New England, they were just so buttoned up. They would have never isolated Cooper Cup on a safety with a playoff game in the line. And (laughs) there's a lot of change in the NFL. And there's a lot of change on the roster that the Bucs are going to have to deal with. And I think that Brady knows more than anybody alive, except for Bill Belichick, the right way to play football. Sometimes the Bucs weren't as buttoned up as the Patriots might have been. So all of those things together, I think, I think that's the reason why it's time. And I think that obviously family is part of it too. Um, His kids aren't getting any younger his, his commitment is year round and all encompassing. And there's a reason why Giselle Bunchen said, as far as I'm concerned, football is his first real love. I saw a report that TV offers are flying in, which is of no surprise to anyone. What now happens in your estimation in terms of Brady and the public eye, you know, the Patriots version of the personality, you would have never expected him to be on TV or in a studio or anything like that. But as we all know, and I'm going to ask you about this in a, in a second, the Bucks Tom Brady was vastly different personality-wise in terms of what he let us in on. Would he ever do TV? Would he be good? Would he be critical? Would he be funny? What do you think becomes of him? What, what are we going to see of him? I think he's just too cautious to do television. I, just, I don't think that it's him. I, I think that even though... In the past year or two, he's definitely let us in on his personality more, you know, let the masses in. I mean, obviously, for a couple of reporters who are close to him, you know, Michael Silver was one of them. Jim Gray was one of them. I was one of them for a time. He would let his guard down a little bit and you'd get a glimpse of this guy. But I don't think that that's him. I think that I think he has a real passion for making people healthier. And obviously, his TB12 business has helped him enormously. It's been controversial. It's, you know, made claims that, you know, they kind of had to figure out a way to not include in the second edition of the book, such as that drinking a lot of water can be a sunburn preventative. But I think that he just likes the idea of bringing a healthier approach to living to the masses. And I think that right now, that's something he can be really passionate about. Now, as we all know, when legends retire, 
the business opportunities, the private jets, the unlimited golf, it gets old <laughs> and it's not long before they pine for what they had. And Brady hasn't even been retired a week. And he goes on his podcast and says, who knows, maybe I'll unretire one day. You never, you know, never say never. So it's like, you know, that I thought was really interesting. It hasn't even been a week yet. I heard you say on an interview for your book, Seth, that the primary goal in writing it was to better understand what it took for him and Belichick to be great and the related costs and sacrifices. For Belichick, you know, the costs were the relationships. What were the costs for Brady? Was it privacy? Was it something else? I think for a while it was privacy. I think that it's clearly been family strain and internal strain. And it's something to his credit, you know, he's been pretty transparent about it. But I think that really just remember when you met Giselle Bunch and I think he said he just wanted to play into his thirties and he was going to be ready to walk away. And as he approached his mid thirties, I mean, everything just changed with him and he would speak of playing into his forties so casually at times that it was hard to miss, but it was so obvious that it was not only a goal, but it was part of a business plan. Once the TB 12 method came along and both Belichick and Brady are interesting because both have moved the goalposts many times on when they would walk away. Both of them had many chances and have had many chances over the years to retire with their wealth and health and legacy, everything intact. And they just keep going. Mm. And why was that? And I think that it's because it's both simple. I think that they're just simply happier humans when they have Sundays in the fall to compete in the NFL, but Without the game, it would just be such a void in their lives that it's something that they just have never been reticent to face. I mean, Belichick, you know, always said, I'm not going to be Marv Levy. He loves to take shots at Marv Levy. I'm not going to be Marv <laughs> Levy and coaching in my 70s. Of course, he's going to turn 70 in April. Uh -huh. No signs of walking away. Right. And then you had Brady, of course, who, who kept saying what he said about playing indefinitely, even though his wife was very public about her yeah. displeasure in it. My guess for people who have not read the book, they will have never heard the name Greg Harden, Seth. Uh, it'll mean nothing to anybody. But here's a guy who played a very important role. I was intrigued by this part of the story in Tom Brady's development, both at Michigan and then remaining tight with him throughout his professional years. I didn't even remember. Maybe I once knew. Maybe I didn't that he was going to transfer from Michigan to Cal at one point during his college years when things weren't going well for him at Michigan. Tell everybody who Greg Harden is and tell a little bit of that story from your book. Well, Greg Harden is a counselor, was a counselor at the University of Michigan, and he was assigned to Tom Brady when Brady was a freshman. And, and Brady didn't really use him, but Harden would see him around and just he would say, hey, if you ever need anything, I'm here. And Harding kind of thought that Brady was just not cut out to be a big 10 quarterback. He's kind of pretty. He's very skinny. And he just seemed soft. And at one point, Brady's buried on the depth chart. He comes to Greg Harden. He says, I need help. And um, he started to see Greg Harden regularly. And Brady, in his own words back then, was, was a whiner. Um, you know, nothing was his fault. He would blame everything else except for himself. And even though he was visiting with Harden, it wasn't necessarily helping his career as quickly as he would have hoped. And at one point he goes to Harden, he says, you know, I think I'm going to leave. I think I'm going to transfer. 
he went to Lloyd Carr and told him he was going to transfer. And the head coach of Michigan told him to sleep on it for the night. When he told Greg Harden, Harden, <laughs> as only Greg Harden could, started laughing at him. And he said, you want to leave? Go ahead. You haven't done bleep here anyway, and no one's going to give a bleep if you leave. And it really kind of restarted Brady's internal competitiveness. He ends up staying at Michigan. He was someone who was broken. And when he left Michigan, he was whole again. Then the draft almost broke him again. And then he has this meteoric rise in the NFL where, you know, his life changed so drastically that it's, it's still kind of hard to comprehend, you know, this guy who almost went undrafted at the end of his second year was already beyond a quarterback. He was a sex symbol. I have this scene in the book where he's flying to the pro bowl after his first super bowl win. And they, they had a layover and the other teammates were there too. And he gets a call and it's Tara Reed's publicist trying to set up a date. And, you know, all the guys are giving him a hard time about sure. it, but his life had just changed. And then when he got into the NFL and he was struggling with those changes, the price of fame, people following him home, people broke into his house and stole his television at one point, gossip columns all the time following him. He was whining and he, and he called Greg Harden and, and Greg again started laughing at him. And he says, look, Tom, let me tell you, right now you're the hot cookie and you can call up someone, a kid and, and change their entire life in a five minute conversation. Do that because you're not going to be the hot cookie forever. As it turned out, Tom Brady, of course, is the hottest cookie that ever lived. <laughs> and there's a reason, yeah. you know, but I think that it was something that he learned. He learned how to use therapy as a tool to make himself mentally tougher, to deal with things, to look at the glass as half full rather than half empty. And there's a reason why he's talked about seeking out therapy preventatively when he was going to walk away from football forever because he knew that he was leaving this thing that he loved so much and creating a void that nothing else was really going to be able to fix. Everyone has analyzed Seth Brady's social media words when he announced his retirement and the Patriots inclusion or lack thereof, as the case may be. Is everyone at peace for how it ended? Or is there still some lingering consequence to Belichick not being available to meet in person? And then the second part to that question is, the return on Sunday night last year and the post game, whatever that was, face to face in a room where Belichick got Brady into a room. Has that smoothed things over as as times have changed? I mean, I think there was a rawness because Tom Brady wanted a contract that was a show of faith that he could play until his mid 40s. And he wanted that his last couple of years in New England. It wasn't just his last year. It was the years before that. And the Patriots just wanted to keep on a year to year basis. And it's kind of hard to blame him. I mean, Brady was trying to do something unprecedented, but then again, if there was anybody on this earth who, could do who should have known better than to underestimate Tom Brady, it's Bill Belichick okay. and Robert Kraft. Sure. And yet they did just that. Sure. And so, you know, August of 2019, Brady's got his sixth Super Bowl with the team. The contract negotiations aren't going well. He considers leaving training camp in protest. He ends up signing a deal that allows him to be a free agent at the end of the year. And 48 hours after that deal was announced, he and Giselle Bunchen put their house up on the market. You knew. So, you knew. Yeah. So the Patriots opened the door for Brady to leave and he walked through it. So it was a divorce. I think that the conversation with he and Bill, there was a lot of mutual respect there. And I think that it's a conversation that allowed them to move forward on good terms, but they're still divorced. And that's the best way I could put it. It doesn't mean that everything is fixed. No comments out. I'm not quite sure. But, you know, before that game, I mean, his dad 
came out with some pointed words about Bill Belichick. Alex Guerrero, his body coach, came out with some pointed words about Bill Belichick. It's just obvious there's a rawness there. And while Tom Brady forgives, yeah, I don't think he forgets. When you read your book, Seth, you get the sense that 2017 was a tipping point in the in the storytelling as you tell it. The relationship between the coach and the quarterback. They had now, I, I think it was five rings by that point, and Brady wanted to be treated and viewed somewhat differently. Now, all of us that have been in jobs for a long, long time in the same workplace know that it's hard to change what an employer, how an employer views you and treats you. No matter what kind of success, they kind of look at you the same way as they looked at you when you came through the door back in the day. You kind of have to go somewhere else to be viewed differently and treated differently. Can you articulate to the audience what Brady kind of wanted in 2007 and why Belichick was resistant to that? And of course... You mentioned the name Alex Guerrero. If if there's a movie ever made about Tom Brady, that's going to be a significant role that somebody's going to have to play because Guerrero was central to the problems between Brady and Belichick. And just look at the difference of how he was kind of celebrated in Tampa when, when Brady made the change. I'm sorry, I threw a lot at you there. Whatever you want to take up, you go from there. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, Bill Belichick, banned Alex Guerrero from essentially from the building. And, you know, in Tampa Bay, you know, Alex Guerrero got an office in the Bucks building. Yeah. So they come back and beat the Falcons and they've got five more than Bradshaw and Chuck Knoll. Brady decides that he wants to be known for something a little bit more than just being a good soldier and the Patriots quarterback. So he ventures into a lot of businesses, you know, TB12 really launches in earnest. His book comes out. He does a big promotional push for it at the beginning of the season. I mean, that's something Tom Brady would have never done earlier is, you know, promote something personal during a football season. In the meantime, though, he still did want that contract and Belichick had drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, developed him, turned down trade opportunities for him because he wanted to hold on to him. There was just a lot of forces at play there. And Brady was frustrated and you know, he's out working in a shed, essentially, outside of the stadium with Alex Guerrero, a five-time, you know, Super Bowl champion, um, face of the franchise. You know, then you had Belichick, who just, you know, I don't think that he was inclined to give Brady what he wanted, which was that show of solidarity, a contract to take him until his mid-40s. And, and Belichick was still, you know, even though Belichick did treat Tom Brady differently, he was still hard on him. And in the playoffs in 2000, early 2017, they played the Houston Texans and they, they win the game, but Brady didn't play very well. And I mean, Belichick lit into him in the Monday morning meeting, like in front of the entire team, like few have. And the coaches were even more critical of him behind closed doors. And wow. I think that he just got sick of it. And 2018, he disappears. He's the only starting quarterback in the NFL that doesn't show up for the voluntary offseason program. He has that very famous moment where he, is asked by Jim Gray, do you feel appreciated? And he says, I plead the fifth. Not a bad line, by the way. And a lot better than a lot of the stuff that Aaron Rodgers pulled out this past <laughs> year, the beautiful mystery. I mean, Brady won the discon, you know, the, the disgruntled quarterback offseason so yeah. much better than Rodgers. Yeah. You know, and he essentially asked for his release from Robert Kraft and was so tired of playing for Bill. Kind of unclear whether he actually wanted it or whether he just kind of prefer if the team cut him, because that way. He'd win a little bit of the perception battle. 
he did ask Kraft to his release. Initially, Kraft said no, because we traded Jimmy Garoppolo. You're our future. And then Kraft kind of had to change of heart, said, look, if you want out, we'll, we'll make it happen. And Brady slept on it. And then he said, you know, I'm going to figure it out on my end. So that's kind of how that, that offseason ended. And although Brady was treated differently from then on out, it was still within the context of the Belichick system. And in Tampa Bay, you know, he was the de facto offensive coordinator. He was a pseudo personnel executive. They didn't care if Alex Guerrero was in the building. They didn't care if Brady did a podcast or did things to step outside from the field. As much as he wanted to go to a winning team, I think he just wanted a different experience for the end of his career. And he kind of went from like Harvard to Florida State. Me being out here in Seattle, I was probably one of the millions and millions that were, that were Tom Brady'd out during this time. But, you know, you mentioned him going to Robert Kraft, and I think that brings up a significant part to the story, at least from where I sit way away, 20,000 feet, you're right in there. But just the relationship that Brady had with Kraft, it felt like that that complicated the relationship and maybe even antagonized the relationship between Brady and Belichick. He was so close with Kraft that it almost felt like, you know, Belichick was all, it was, it was Brady and Kraft versus Belichick at certain, at certain times. I I think that it probably could feel that way. I mean, look, Robert Kraft was trying to do something that really no owner has been able to do. And that was keep the band together. Right. I mean, you saw what happened with Jerry Johnson and, and, um, and Jerry Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson. Correct. Um, you know, these things just have a shelf life. And so he was trying to figure out a way to keep them together. And the forces at play were interesting because you at one end, you have a, a quarterback who at age 27, he was asked by 60 minutes. What do you, what do you fear more than anything? He says the end of my playing career. I mean, that was one of the most autobiographical statements of his life. I don't even think it made it into the 60 minutes piece. Mm. It was just in the transcript. Mm. So he wants to play football forever, push the boundaries, redefine things. And you have Belichick who's, gift is knowing the exact right moment to cut a player loose. Sure. And so these things were always going to collide. There was some tough contract negotiations around 2009, 2010, where Kraft had to get involved and Kraft essentially told Brady, look, if we get to the point where Bill wants to move on from you, I'll give you some say into what happens into, you know, into your fate. So Brady was always playing by a little bit of different rules. Belichick knew and he managed around it. And, but at the same time, Belichick drafted his replacement in 2014. And he was very blunt about why he said, we all know Tom's age and contract status. So from that moment on, Bill was always pushing Tom. You know, I don't think Tom could ever feel comfortable, even though he had accomplished so much. You know, I think that Kraft was just trying to keep it together as long as he could. And part of that meant dealing with Belichick. At one point, he called him the biggest effing a-hole in my life. And hearing Brady out and letting him complain. And he managed that as long as he could. And frankly, he did a pretty phenomenal yeah. job at it. Of course he did, 20 years later. So as we finish up, Seth, one remains. And the one that remains has Mac Jones. They got on a roll during a big stretch of this past season. We all wondered what each would be without the other. Is it truly important to Belichick's legacy that he get back to the Super Bowl 
without Brady because Tom did it without Belichick? Or is that kind of nonsense that us guys in sports radio and sports podcasts dream up of? I don't think it's nonsense, but I also think that part of what made Belichick and Brady so great, both collect as a collective and individually, is that they had so much pride in what they do. Even if they were annoyed with each other, they had so they didn't want to ever let the other one down on the field. And so I think that Bill Belichick, of course, he wants to get and win a Super Bowl without Tom Brady because he actually wants to win the next Super Bowl. <laughs> and proving that he can do it without Tom, I suppose that would be a little sweeter help you know, with his legacy, obviously his record without Brady is good, but it's not terrific. It's not the greatest ever. But I think that that's one of the things that they always had in common was they just have so much pride in what they do. And I think that part of that is a predictor for when Belichick might walk away. You know, he's always said when he walks away, he wants his two sons to be set up with their careers in football and for the Patriots to have a good team and an answer at quarterback so that if he moves on, he could always leave with a legacy that he made decisions that he thought were best for the team. But we're not going to look back upon Belichick any differently if he doesn't win one without Brady. We'll call him the best of all time regardless. I think so. I mean, okay. I think you okay. need a great quarterback. I mean, look at Bill Walsh's career without Joe Montana. There's a reason why almost every great, every Hall of Fame coach Had a great has a Hall of Fame quarterback. You just, you have to have it. It's a quarterback's game. So I've asked you all these really, really easy questions as it pertains to Brady and Belichick and Brady's retirement, but I haven't asked you the hardest one yet, which is as I sit here and look at you, I see three, not one, not two, but three guitars hanging on the wall next to the, the poster of the book. Are you going to play for us next time? How about that? <laughs> No, but I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, it's a good little way to blow off steam when you're working. And obviously you end up in, in some pretty dark tunnels at times. And it was good to like just have them around to play. It's great to uh, visit with you, Seth. Thank you so much for doing it again. Congratulations on the book. It's better to be feared. You can find it wherever books are sold, Amazon and the like. He's Seth Wickersham, the senior writer of ESPN. Thank you, Seth. Thanks, man. Hey, it's time for the first visit of the year. For my friend Zeke's Pizza president, Dan Black. How are you, Dan? I'm doing good, Mitch. Thanks. How did 21 go? Give us kind of a State of the Union address. All things considered, how do you think Zeke's performed in 2021? Yeah, all things considered, I think we performed well. Uh, as you know, it's challenging times for the restaurant industry, and it's no different for us. I mean, COVID has changed the world, and in a lot of ways, coming out of COVID has created more challenges than during COVID for us in certain ways. But, you know, I tend to be an optimist, and so... Focus on the positive things, which our restaurants, for the most part, in 21 were fully open. The really optimistic part is, is in terms of opening new locations, uh, we've been doing very well on that. And 2022, off the top of your head, can you tell us about expansion? Yeah, so we're actually in the midst of our biggest growth phase ever at Zeke. So all within the next month or so, Spokane, Mill Creek, and White Center will all open. And then shortly after that, Seward Park and Renton will come online. So yeah, we're we're cranking right now. We're approaching 30 Zeke's pizzas. How do you explain, given the conditions and the challenges, all this growth for you guys? Yeah, it's been crazy. It was, I wouldn't say that it was a total surprise for us, but uh, you can add buy a Zeke's franchise in addition to buying a Peloton and a vacation home <laughs> is something that evidently people do during a worldwide pandemic. Ah, and what's the Black family eating and drinking this January? Yeah, you know, wintertime, we tend to go towards our classic meat pies. So we've been doing Puget Pounder, John Candy, Cherry Bomb, Dragon, 
all of which are kind of Zeke's classics. And then beer wise, I've been drinking stuff from a couple of breweries up in Bellingham. Uh, one is Flannel Blizzard, which is a Zeke's specific beer that is a Canadian lager that's super easy drinking. So I drink a lot of that. And then the other one I've been drinking is a Skookum Hazy, which is another popular style. I'm so happy for your expansion and your success. I know the 21 was difficult. I'm very appreciative of your partnership with Mitch Unfiltered since the beginning. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, the owner of Fireside Home Solutions, J-Dub, John Waterstrat. Welcome back to the show, John. Thanks, Mitch. Great to be back with you. John, the pandemic, the shipping challenges that come along between fireplaces and garage doors, which you do so well, the Seahawks, the Huskies. It's been a tough go recently, J-Dub. It has been a tough go, and I probably speak for some of those sports fans out there. It's been a rough year. <laughs> That's our stress reliever, I think, in the Northwest to see those Seahawks do really well and my beloved UW Huskies. But, uh, hey, we're getting through. We're managing through. For me, the fireplace unit, the garage doors, one thing. You've got great ones. Your competitors have great ones. The difference to me is in the process and service, and I know because I'm a customer. People have no idea. Walk us through what happens after someone decides that they want a new fireplace and they call the Fireside Home Solutions team. Yeah, we just talked a little bit about the stress, right? Sports have been tough. Pandemic's been tough. And and we really believe in this stress-free buying experience. And and again, you pick your product out. And what we want to do is just like what we did with you guys is we want to send somebody out there, an expert, to walk you through the process. Let's make sure everything's going to fit. Make sure you guys have your questions answered. Instead of having an installer there that doesn't quite know what to do, we don't have good expectations, and get that stress-free buying experience. And again, make sure that they can do their work and you can get what you want. We absolutely love our new patio and setup. What's the current time frame that the pandemic has thrown at you guys for garage doors and fireplace units? Uh, we talked about this in the past. Please talk to your sales rep about what we have in stock. If you need something fast, we're going to have things in stock, both fireplaces and garage doors. Other products, if you're patient and you really want something, we have things that are taking four weeks, sometimes eight weeks, and you wouldn't believe this. We actually have some garage doors that are taking anywhere between oh. nine and 10 months. Wow. That's unbelievable. So patience is truly a virtue. As I said, we're a great customer. We love them. They're the title sponsor of the Beat the Boys competition and an awesome partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Other Stuff segment, episode 178, Hotshot Scott. I was excited to see the singer of Electric Avenue oh. get a paycheck. That was awesome. And so my question Electric is... Avenue. And then you, You're not going to ask me who sings it. Oh, yes. I was going to ask you. You're going to ask me because there's nobody <laughs> else in the room right now that could, could ask my son. You got a better chance. I have no idea. Really? Eddie Grant? No. Yeah, he wasn't a big star. But I was just like, well, look at Eddie Grant. Any relation to Amy Grant? Yeah, I'm not sure. There's a lot of Grants I love there. Amy Grant. Oh, you do? Good Christian singer Amy Grant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You love anything Christian. I get that. Well, sure. Why Eddie, not? Eddie, Eddie Grant, though. I was like, good for him. 73. Had like one hit. Look at him getting a big paycheck in 22. Nice work, buddy. Every time I hear Applebee's and I hear the Cheers song, I think of our guy. <laughs> of course. Every <laughs> single yeah. time. Multi-track in the chorus to get four oh checks. God. Good for him. All right, other stuff segment. Yes. What is in the water in Seattle? We just recently did the story of the Issaquah girls high school basketball coach. Yes, sir. And now we've got a similar story, I, I, similar in the way that somebody prominent has lost their job and has absolutely no idea. Have you, have you been following the story of the Kraken 
Seattle Times beat reporter. And I don't know that I can pronounce her last name. It's Marissa, I think, Ingemi, I-N-G-E-M-I. Are you familiar with the story? Somebody sent it to me on Twitter. Okay. okay. My friend Ben sent it. Yeah. And I didn't really understand it, to be honest with you. It was like it's late the, at night. I was like, I don't know it's, what this it's, is. It's almost the carbon copy. Oh, it is. Okay. Of your buddy. Uh, Coach Doug, Crandall. Uh, what? Coach Crandall. Coach Crandall. Yeah. Well, I mean, not the carbon copy, but but she was hired and it was a very popular hire. She was like in Boston somewhere covering okay. hockey. They bring her to the Seattle Times. And I guess it's kind of standard practice that when when the Seattle Times hires somebody, there's a probationary period okay. that goes for a long period, like five or six months. I would think it should be 30 days, but whatever. What's the probationary period to see if you can... I don't know. They, you can cut... You can you can say, hey, it's not working out and and oh, okay. cut bait for no for no charge or for no... Anyway... She was she was doing a good job from what I can tell. I mean, I don't I don't follow it, but yeah. everybody seemed to like her. Kraken fans seemed to follow her, liked her work. Seattle Times, she's working real hard. She's making plans to go on a Kraken road trip to cover the team. Uh -huh. She gets called into the office and fired. And told that she's not being retained. It was within the probationary period, so I guess they don't have to give her an explanation. And then, yeah. and, then, and she's done. She has no idea why. They have not said why. They posted her job. Anybody, we're looking for a new Kraken. Already? Yeah, they've already posted the job. Jeez. The job vacancy. And nobody knows the reason why. She doesn't know the reason why. And and I'm saying to myself, do these things happen in threes? Yeah. How many times am I going to read about something like this? Yeah. Anyway. I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's uh, he's a head coach, I won't say where, of a high school girls soccer team. And yeah. he said one of his assistant coaches got pulled in in like September and said, you're out, and they didn't tell him why, and he still hasn't heard why, and it's I guess that just happens now. It just seems so, I don't know, bushly to not explain to somebody why. Like, this is kind of serious. This is your livelihood we're talking yeah. about here. They moved her all the way from Boston. Oh, God. They hired her in the summer. Not about that. She relocated. She, she relocated her entire life Yeah. Uh, in the summer, and then on January 28th, just before the probationary period ended, they called her in and fired her. Jeez. January 28th. She has no idea why. Nobody has any idea why. Like, are there any theories out there? Is anyone no. speculating? As I have not seen rub a someone no. the wrong way. No. Or, no. Is there a chance they just didn't like her work? I mean, you're Could saying be. people seem to love it. No, no. Yeah. God, it's crazy how that can just happen. You could just do that anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, I have kind of a happy story here. I thought this was kind of cool. <laughs> I don't have many happy stories on my other stuff. So well, rarely. Are I've got there a lot anyway. of actually. I wouldn't say downer, but kind of makes you think stories. But go ahead. Go ahead. Three with your happy friends story. who have attended every Super Bowl are hoping for a memorable contest, which they got because it's probably going to be their last time to the Super Bowl as a group. They're all in their 80s, so you'd yes. probably love to go hang with these guys. <laughs> They've attended every game since the first AFL-NFL World Championship game was held 55 years ago. There you go. And they went to the one in LA, but they think this might be their last one. It's going to come oh. to an end. I know. It's kind of sad. End of an era. They've gone to every, every Super Bowl. That's crazy. As a little group of friends. I mean, that's was it? so nice. Isn't that kind of cool? It's sad that they're they're already sort of thinking that eh, this probably you know it's probably getting tougher and tougher to travel. But anyway, I'm glad they all one got to go to more one. year. I know, one more year. One more year. Yeah. Anyway, one. I said to you before that a lot of the other stuff stories that I have for this segment are kind of reviews of stories that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Here's one that I think now this is gonna I'm gonna get on a little thin ice here, but I think it needs to be talked about. Okay. The Trevor Bauer story. I got it. Okay. Did we not talk about Trevor Bauer being accused of, of assault? Ugly stuff. Ugly, ugly stuff. Pictures came out, yeah. rough sex, yeah. rape, forcible sex, yep. the whole thing, right? 
And after a five-month review, the Pasadena police investigation into the allegations of sexual assault against him, they have decided not to, to move forward with criminal charges. They said there's just not enough there's not enough evidence to convict this man. Yep. Have you seen his video? I, you, I and I, I I'm kicking myself because earlier today on the day that we're recording this, I meant to send you a text to tell you please watch the Trevor Bauer video. Yeah. He did a video like a five minute yeah, look it. into the camera. Oh, you saw. Okay, well, you saw I, it. I I read what he said. Oh, you I, gotta sit. No, you gotta watch it. Okay. Because we got to talk about it. More than just the words, we got to see. You got to watch it. Okay. I think a lot comes out in his demeanor. It's not just don't read the transcript. That's what I go, did. No, go watch the video. Okay. Go watch how demonstrative he is about his innocence. Go watch how mad he is, how yeah. angry, and how he talks about exactly what happened. Well, you know the words. Go watch okay. the video. Now, uh, look, this is a dicey subject because we don't know what happened right. in those two incidents. But I do know this, that... They investigated they investigated this thoroughly yep. and they've decided not to move on. And I'm not saying that means that she was making things. I don't know what happened, but I don't I do know that the man's life was going to be ruined. Yeah. And we all had no problems talking about it when it was a story. True. And he was the uh, you know, the reigning Cy Young Award winner for the Los Angeles Dodgers. We had no problems talking about what kind of a despicable human being. I don't hear a lot of people talking about this. This end result of the story. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's not getting covered. It's getting covered. It was in the LA Times. But there was a lot more coverage of this when he was accused to when the end came. And I just wanted to make sure that we we presented it for you on, on Mitch Unfield. I had that exact same thought. I you did. We, we went after him pretty hard. We did. And, I and wanted, everybody did. Everyone did. And I wanted to make sure we brought it in and said he's, you know, there's not Go, enough evidence to convict him. I want you, and okay. I'm not just saying you as in you. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening to this and you're and you're at all interested in the things that we talk about, Go watch. It's about five minutes long. He has no notes. He sits in a like a gym. He looks into the camera and he said, I've been silent as long as I can be. Yeah. Now I can tell you my side and here's my side of the story. And he is he is demonstrative, emotional. Mm. Go watch the video. Pretty adamant. I, I, I'm not suggesting to you that he's not lying through his teeth. Yeah. But boy, oh boy, just go watch the he. Let's put it this way. He deserves you to watch. If you if you watched any of the coverage of this when he was being suspended by Major League Baseball and he was being accused of the most heinous of crimes, yeah. if you were at all interested in read about, he, you actually owe it to him to at least watch this video that he made after this was decided by the police. I mean, there were some bad pictures that came out, Horrible. which doesn't help everyone's horror. He talks about those pictures. Okay, he says I didn't. She did not look that way when she left here. Okay. She stayed voluntarily overnight both times, slept in my bed, hung out with me, was with me the next day. I mean, he goes through it. He says, it, 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 am, I, am I guilty of, of having rough sex? Yes. I mean, he, he goes he goes wow. right to okay. the core of this. Okay. Goes right to the core of this. Anyway, I wanted to bring it up. Anyway. Some more ugliness with af athletes. Adrian yes. Peterson. Oh, my God. Arrested in on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, for felony domestic violence. Yeah, Sunday at LAX. On Air a plane. Airport police got a call around 8.30 a.m. over a disturbance on a plane leaving LAX and attempting to take off en route to Houston. But the plane actually had to turn around and link up with the gate again after an apparent verbal and physical altercation between a man and a woman. Turns out that man was Adrian Peterson, your of your Seattle Seahawks. And it was his wife. And it was his wife, yes. And they got into a scuffle on the plane, an argument. They got in an and argument. And he grabbed the wedding ring from her finger and scraped her up. And she was they were yelling at each other. They took him off the plane and they left her on the plane. Yep. 
She went home to Houston. He went to jail. He's had some issues in the past, as we the know. The kid. I can't not think about that story. Nobody Every time can. I think about Adrian Peterson. Nobody can. There was a detail in that story that I'm not going to say that just I can't not think about when I think of Adrian Peterson back in 2014. Back yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was indicted on charges of reckless and, or negligent injury to a child. So, yeah, that doesn't look good for him when he gets in another altercation considering he's got something in his past. So I guess we'll see. What comes we up. all stopped in our tracks, both on this show and around the world, when we heard and we learned of the, the passing of Bob Saget. Yes. Should we talk about what they have now found is the result or is the cause of death in that hotel room in Orlando? Crazy. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It makes me, I, I don't, I, I'm even more, I don't know why. It's just, it's just really, this whole story is impacting me. He dies, we thought in his sleep. I guess he did die in his sleep. They yeah. found him in bed. After his overnight's rest, overnight sleep, and now they're te- they're saying that he had fractures to the back of his head and around his eyes at the time of his oh. death. Apparently, he must have hit his head on something, fell, or maybe in the bathroom or something, and then he went to sleep, yep. which is the worst thing you can do is to right. go to sleep by yourself yep. with nobody else there after you hit your head. Apparently, he hit his head. Yeah, that night he went to sleep and never woke up. His brain was bleeding. They say, and that's what killed him. I thought a heart attack. I thought sleep, right. sleep apnea. I, I don't know. Stop breathing. He, he, unbelievable. That's why you should. Unbelievable. Just travel with a, a pal, somebody in your life. You can't all the time. You can't all the time. I know. But if you can. not all the time. If you're in your 50s or older, just bring someone with you. We're at the point where we have to get our father, my father-in-law, we got to get him one of those little devices. We can you, press the button. Yeah. The, I, I fell and can't get up type yeah, device that we joke about, but yeah, yeah. it's not a joke when he's 73 and lives alone, right? So you got to take those precautions yeah no, it's just the whole thing was just so sad with bob saga what a way to sad. go out right oh. Ugh, awful oh, yeah all right i have a story you may want to leave the room for but there are, oh no you know there's demonstrations happening in new zealand that have gone on for quite some time now with people flocking to the parliament building in wellington over the past couple of weeks it's it's in the same vein as the canadian trucker convoy movement happening in toronto you're probably familiar with the the trucker convoy protest well the big difference here is New Zealand officials got creative Friday with their attempted disbursement methods, resorting to what they appear to consider annoying music. <laughs> Multiple reports describe New Zealand law enforcement oh, no. blasting Barry Manilow's yes! greatest hits. Yes, that's the coma. Now, I oh, read this. This doesn't make sense. They said blasting Barry Manilow's greatest hits on a 15-minute loop. Does that mean he only has like three hits? A 15-minute loop? He's got a lot of hits. Come on. And not just that. Okay, that's an insult. Yeah. Well, they're the ones. He's that- got more hits than anybody ever in the history <laughs> All right, of music. Calm down. No, no. He did write some it, songs. It, for no, him. no, 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 no. I think I think if you if you define whatever hits are, I think he's got he's got a group of hits like an endless supply yeah. of hits. Not the most endless ever, but he has a lot. Yes. He maybe hits lot. that you don't like. Maybe hits that our audience doesn't like. But he's got hits. I'll look up top forty hits. I for think you he later. had more hits than Pete Rose. But go ahead. <laughs> he had a lot. I know. But they also played the Macarena that got trotted out oh, as well. well that's not it. That's a torture. Don't it's... don't lump Barry Manilow in with the Macarena. <laughs> you know, our well, one of our old uh, working cohorts claims that they're the ones that discovered the Macarena and brought it to the United oh. States. I can't remember. Uh, he worked at Cube. Mike Tierney. I think oh yeah, I know. Remember Mike Tierney? Yeah, yeah. He I went claims to college he... with him. Oh, he did? Yeah. He claims he brought the Macarena to the United States. So anyone who ate Is that, that true, though? He says he T-Bone? Was... We called him T-Bone back in the you day. You did. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds very 80s. <laughs> but he was in Mexico. He heard this song. Everyone was loving it. Oh, he I brought it back, team. and he put it on the air. Did we not discuss um, the boat, the boat problem in the Netherlands? Well, the last I read is that 
people in the Netherlands were getting their rotten eggs together. Yes. Well, that was going to be my update. But when do people... But you just took it right away from me. But how do people acquire rotten eggs? Do you go buy eggs and just let them sit out? No, you just hard boil them, maybe. Or you just throw the eggs. Okay. Right. I don't have to put rotten, but yeah, that's okay, the Okay, so a couple of shows ago, I brought to you the fact that our buddy Jeff Bezos was purchasing a $485 million boat. Gosh. What What else do I have to do with my money? That's right. Let me buy a 475-foot a boat. You put that on your debit card? A part, yeah. <laughs> Does the bank let that one go through when you swipe it at the boat dealership? I didn't know this. Once it hits open waves, yeah. it will become the largest yacht ever to do so. Open waves? Whatever that means. Once it hits the water, I okay. guess. It, but they can't get through that one bridge. He, he had a company in the Netherlands... Uh, build a boat. He gave him four hundred eighty-five million to build it. It's been takes takes years, sure. but he can't get it. He can't get it home, right? Because there's a bridge right around the corner. That's a, an historic bridge that they have to take apart for oh, it to get through gosh. the bridge. Nightmare. And everybody's pissed off about it. And yes, they're going to throw rotten eggs at him as it goes through. <laughs> I love that it's rotten. By the way, he's paying for the bridge. Yes, he is. He's paying for everything. He'll yes. probably make a big the bridge, fat donation. The bridge you know. has currently a 130 foot clearance, but that's not enough. 130 feet Jeez. is not enough for for Jeff Bezos's new luxury it, yacht. There's like a little section. It's not just a flat bridge. There's like a section. Yeah, that, yeah, and it looks pictures, plenty yeah. high. Yeah, no, not for this bridge. No, no. But maybe it's the parts on the side that aren't high enough. The bridge looks plenty high. Don't ask for specifics. A boat to get under. All right, Russell. I kind of want to go and throw some eggs. <laughs> Kinda, yeah, it'd be kind of fun. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Russell Wilson and his wife beat a hasty retreat from a Super Bowl party after the father of one of her children showed up. Uh oh. Also known as Future. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. yeah. So as you know, she and Future had a difficult Kid. breakup. It became even more complicated when she hooked up with Russell. Right. And he actually became super close to the baby, also named Future. But they were rushed to their car by cops as they left the party. Officials at the at the party say that was the fastest Russell has moved all year long. Thank you so much. <laughs> He's never looked faster. Was she scan- you know what I'm noticing? She's always scantily clad. Do you notice this? Whenever wow. there's a picture of Sierra, she does not have much. She does not have much covering on. Well, she was a pop star, and I think she's still so, trying to hang on a little bit. You got to look okay, good when you go but out. Every once in a while, you could wear a a hoodie, something to cover up. <laughs> I, mean, I don't not know. Catch pneumonia. If I had that, body. my mother would say she's going to catch pneumonia. Yeah, that's right. That's just good science. All right. This is a this is a a story that's out of you. I figured I'd take it right from you because you probably if you saw it would make it your final story oh boy there's a las vegas based company called love cloud you ever heard of it no i'm already in though offering a unique experience called the mile high club flight okay for 995 dollars, guests get flown around for 45 minutes on one of their two planes and the guests are encouraged to make the most of their time in the air hint hint after, minutes. Afterwards, they receive a commemorative membership card <laughs> signed by their pilot. <laughs> now, for guys like you who need more than 45 minutes, <laughs> right? Or three, uh, customers can also upgrade to a 60 minute version for $1,095, or in Scott's case, yeah. he needs more than that. What am I, Sting? 90 minute flight for $1,495. Oh. For an extra $300, they get transportation to and from the plane, a bottle of champagne, and dozen a dozen long-stemmed roses and chocolates. This was all made popular pre-Valentine's Day. Gotcha. But it is a real thing. $9.95. The love cloud, yes. <laughs> $9.95. Take your sweetie up. 
and do whatever you need to do up there to become a member of the Mile High Club. I have a lot of questions. I'm sure you don't have the answers I don't to. Have, let me tell you. I don't have any answers. <laughs> is the don't plate, ask me any questions. Is it modified? Is it rows of seats? Is I have a, no answers. <laughs> okay, fine. 45 minutes. I have no answers. All right. Your buddy Logan Paul has taken his rivalry with Floyd Mayweather to the courtroom. He says he's planning to sue Mayweather. Say He said he still hasn't got paid for their exhibition fight back in June. Yeah. He's been vocal about it, so he's uh says it's bullshit, Logan said outside Saddle Ranch on Thursday. So he's going after Mayweather in the courtroom. We'll see if he gets any money out of him. Do you remember Jonathan Allen, the defensive lineman from Alabama, the really yeah. like first-team All-American high, first-round yeah, draft yeah. choice? Yeah. He plays for the Washington Commanders. That's right. Good, good for you. He's made the news the last week leading up to the Super Bowl. You see, he apologized for a a post, a social media post that he had sent on. He writes, earlier I tweeted something that probably hurt a lot of people, and I apologize about what I said. I didn't express properly what I was trying to say, and I realized that it was dumb. So here's what he did. Do you, have, do you know what he did? I do. Okay. Alan responded to a Twitter prompt asking which three people, dead or alive, would he choose to dine with if given the chance? And, of course, he answered his grandfather, Michael Jackson, and Hitler, Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Alan went on to call the German dictator a military genius and added, I love military tactics, but honestly, I'd love to pick his brain as to what he did and why he did it. And that didn't go over too well, you're saying? No, that didn't go over too well. Didn't I just tell you on the last episode that people are throwing around the word Nazi and Hitler more than yes, ever? Yes, you did. Well, uh, yes, you did. Yeah, we, remember, we were talking about Whoopi Goldberg. Yes, right, you did. When I was a kid or high school, it was like, you don't even say those words. Like, what's happening? Why is it okay to just throw that out all the time now? It's weird. You know, there are there are, there is a section, not a section. The Jewish world have always been fearful of as we get further and further away from the 1930s, mm. that generations will not be taught and they will not know specifically what happened. Yeah, they not have a good grasp of what happened. And th these are the types of things that happen if go. that if that occurs. I, I never really gave too much thought to it, but there are a lot of people anti-defamationally. There are a lot of different groups and organizations say. You know, we've got to make sure that Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany, what happened in the 1930s and 40s, that that's a prominent part of every history class that you have to take a class in high school yeah. to learn about that. I mean, this is what happens. Right. They glam I mean, he's totally glamorizing Hitler for right. what he did. He's a military genius. Genius, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what's, Unbelievable. what's the phrase? If, if you don't learn Whoopi history, you're bound to repeat it. Right. Yeah. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg saying it, it wasn't better. even a racist issue, she yeah, says. Right. It, what? What? I know. Yeah, it's crazy. Like even the country of Germany, I, I, they don't, they don't hide from it. Like they, no. they don't just throw it under the carpet. No, and say they that, don't at all. They don't at all. Like, Not at they, all. They want to remind people that I've been to concentration camps. This shit can happen. Like, and it happened. I've so, been to concentration yeah, yeah. camps. I don't know if honestly, I don't know if I can. I do have it. been to. Con I'm taking my kids. We were supposed to go during <sighs> the pandemic. I'm taking my kids to concentration camps. Yeah. I've been there. I've seen it. I've seen the ovens. I've seen the showers. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. I've seen it. So uh, yeah, it's just it's just a shame to have. And look, I, I don't I don't hate Jonathan Allen. This he, is obviously just ignorant. Yeah. Yeah. He's just being. Ignorant. I just wish he knew more. I wish he understood more. Right. I wish somebody would teach him more yeah, right. about what happened and why and why that's hurtful to say that I'd like to dine with Michael Jackson, my grandfather, and Adolf Hitler. Right. It's hurtful. It All is right. hurtful. Anyway, I have some RIPs, but you can go. You, you can go first. I got shocking news. Oh, you do? We know Betty White, who was beloved by so many people, but 
She's back. Some of her, <laughs> no, she has not <laughs> risen from the grave just yet, but she may. No. Some of her Golden Girls castmates were not among the ones who loved her. In fact, Joel Thurm, the casting director for the show Golden Girls, opened up on a podcast and revealed this. He said, literally, B. Arthur, who I cast in something else later on, just said, oh, she's an effing C word that rhymes with bunt. Oh. Adding, I heard it with my own ears. He went on to say another castmate, oh. Rue McClanahan, also referred no. to Betty White as the C word. I know. As to why there was so much tension on the set, he gave a few examples. He says, Estelle Getty began losing her memory and needed help remembering her lines. And Betty White used to goof on her in front of the oh. live studio audience. And yeah, this. I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want stories like this about to, Betty White. They're going to start coming out now, are they? How she was this Before evil you person. know it, to start coming out about me. I, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, we can't have that happen. <laughs> All right, RIPs. I got one. It's probably you got to be one of the two yes. that I have. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, Jeremy. Jeremy Giambi. Yeah. Former major league outfielder, the brother of Jason Giambi, died of a suicide at age what, 47? 47, yeah. Was was involved in a very famous play. Do you remember the play? Uh no. American League, I, I want to say divisional series between the A's and the Yankees in 2001. Okay. The ball that the Yankees, the Yankees outfielder throws to home, but it gets away. And Derek Jeter goes down the first bait line and, mm. and and catches the errant pat and then and then in one motion flips to the catcher to get it. to get Jeremy Giambi at the plate. Gotcha. Okay. I didn't that, know. I had a, no idea. Who you was cannot watch any Derek Jeter yeah. highlight film without seeing that. I've seen it fifty times. Yes. That play. And while we're talking about Derek Jeter, there's another R.I.P. Similar vein. Gerald Williams. Do you remember Gerald Williams? I saw that earlier and I forgot to write that down. Yeah. Major League Baseball outfielder. He played with Derek. Yep. Was a good friend of Derek. Died after a cancer battle at the age of 55. Man. Gerald Williams passed away this morning, writes Derek Jeter, after a battle with cancer to my teammate and one of my best friends in the world. Rest in peace, my brother. My thoughts and prayers are with his wife, Liliana, and their whole family. That's Jeter writing uh, on the uh, Players' Tribune. Gerald Williams, does he... Was he involved in any play that you might remember? I just told you the Jeremy Giambi. Yeah. Gerald Williams was involved he was. in a play. And one of the most famous plays in the history of the city, Gerald Williams was involved, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Yes. yes. Was Gerald da, Williams da, da, in left da, da. field he when sure, Edgar hit the... He sure was. And he, his throw he sure wasn't was, great. No, I mean, no, it's not a stirring tribute no, to say no, that to him right now. No. You know, not a good throw. Bounced it to the cutoff yeah. man, I think. Well, yeah. I think they missed the cutoff man. Maybe missed him completely. Yeah, he was just, yeah. Gerald Williams was in left field. Wow. On, I believe I'm I'm right about that. Okay. When Edgar hit the double that scored Junior from first in 1995. Anyway, yep. uh, rest in peace to Gerald Williams, dead at the age of 55, 55 of cancer. Philadelphia wow. Eagles safety. You see this story? Anthony Harris. He made an 11-year-old Audrey Soap's night when he accompanied her to the daddy-daughter dance after her dad passed oh, away. Oh, yes, I did read this. My wife showed me this. Yes. Amazing, right? we got to get this guy on. Yeah, yes. get him on. Or maybe get, yes. get the mom and the kid on or something. Yeah. Yeah, so her dad passed away, and he's he was asked by the mom, if because Audrey's dad and grandpa recently passed away, so there's no one to take her to this dance. And I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why him. They live in Texas. He plays for the Eagles. Well, I think he may be from that. Uh, there's a, there's a connection. There is okay because he yes, played it. I looked at no, him. He played I, at West Virginia, I think. Yeah, there's a connection. There's a connection. There's okay. a connection. I think he was once with another team. Where, uh, yeah, there's a connection. Okay, that's why the player. Yes. Well, once is. it became clear that his, the Eagles were eliminated from the playoffs, the seven-year yeah. vet told Audrey he'd love to escort her to the dance in Texas. He said it was a great event. There were a ton so of kids nice. there. So nice. So really nice. nice. Really cute to see other fathers there. So good for so Anthony nice. Harris. So nice. We take plenty of shots at athletes for uh, doing so horrible. Nice. Stuff so yeah. good for him. Yeah. All right. I don't have any more RIPs. Do you have any headlines? 
I have a couple. An, an employee at a Home Depot in Arizona has scammed the company out of hundreds of thousands of dollars since 2018. Is that right? By swapping out cash from the registers for fake $100 bills, according to a criminal complaint. Wait, it took four years to catch the guy? Who does he bank with? Who does Home Depot bank with? The Monopoly man? He actually bought them on Amazon, I think. All right, uh, let's see. My computer just messed up here. You can do better. It's just the first one. We're warming up here. <laughs> Mechanics are baffled as a weird computer glitch has Seattle area Mazda owners. By the way, people love the finish line. I, I thought it was They love the finish line. I thought it was... The, the ones I think it. are good, like, it's weird. See, I thought I was going to get hate mail for the finish line. Oh, a little, little too much? Yeah, a little kind of over the line. Yeah. Over the finish line. Yeah. But people seem to like the finish line. Yeah, it's weird. I thought that Even was Even some people who say they don't really love your stuff. Love the finish <laughs> they line. They can't just be okay. a compliment. Okay, I'm sorry. Ever. I interrupted. Go ahead. So mechanics are baffled as a weird computer glitch has Seattle area Mazda owners stuck listening to only NPR, the station KUOW. Mazdas are just stuck on KUOW. They can't listen to anything else. Right. Are we sure we want self-driving cars when we can't get the radio figured out? I mean, come on. A TikToker showed in a viral video steak inside Walmart locked up in chains with a security lock. The video also shows what appeared to be a couple undercover police officers who apparently were there on a stakeout. Man declared dead in prison cell wakes up in body bag right before the autopsy. What? Gonzalo Jimenez is apparently a heavy sleeper. Doctors aren't sure how the mix-up happened and said the man's first words after waking up were, please don't tell my wife. And finally, a pair of Ohio radio <laughs> DJs. Thank you, sir. I like it. A pair of, uh, a pair of Ohio radio DJs yes. broke a Guinness World Record when they conducted a 25-hour, 35-minute interview on the air. A 25-hour interview, big deal. That's about four questions from Mitch Levy. <laughs> hit it, hit it, come on. Really? I thought I've, I thought I've shortened my questions. Are they still super long? Look, I'm trying to I've bang tried. these out on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I, 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 taking this personal? I mean, God. I didn't include the story of the guy that I want. The other guy I want to get on the air. Maybe you saw, maybe you didn't. There was a guy, and I I, I, I probably shouldn't even bring this up because I don't have the details okay. committed to memory, but there was a, a guy in a bar in Hawaii, at like a restaurant bar, and they, he was held up at gunpoint, and they were, the, the bar restaurant was robbed of $5,000. Okay. And now the bar restaurant is taking that out of his pay. They 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 try to get they try to make him pay oh my for it. Gosh. What is wrong and with so, everyone? And that became a huge story. Yeah. Everybody rallied to his defense. And now everything yeah, now he's probably got a hundred grand on a GoFundMe <laughs> account, right? So <laughs> it always works that way. Anyway, episode one seventy eight, ladies and gentlemen. Say it now, Super Bowl champions, yeah. LA. They're going down twice next year. They are going yeah. down twice next year. Episode one seventy eight in the book.